Hey y'all, Rick Houston here, and I want to tell you about my new show, the Moonshine and Motorsports Racing Podcast. I've partnered up with the state of North Carolina Department of Natural and Cultural Resources to help uncover the history behind moonshining mountain boys, professional wheelmen, and the backwoods and city lights of the Tar Heel State. In the first episode, I sat down with Winston Kelly at the NASCAR Hall of Fame for a little behind-the-scenes gossip about Junior Johnson's engineering skills. He's got two things in his hand, pipe wrench and channel lock pliers, and they weren't new. They had been been around the block a time or two. What's the first deal they built, I bet? No, no, you know, I think they were, the the pliers had been red before, but paint had worn off. And in the second episode, I talked to a professional hillbilly, a.k.a. Dr. Daniel Pierce of UNC Asheville, to find out the real history of moonshiners and their battles with the revenuers. He wrote about one of his experience of trying to chase down this uh, this bootlegger and this this souped up car, and he he complained that the government gave him these piece of crap cheapo cars, and that, that were really no match. But he thought he was doing pretty good, and then the guy just hits it and just takes off and practically disappears. But then the guy makes a bootleg turn uh, and comes back towards him. And as he said, it was a game of chicken, and I was the chicken. And so he ran off the road. And actually, he was the guy who, who caught Junior Johnson at his daddy's steal when Junior got tangled up in a, in a barbed wire fence. So check out the Moonshine and Motorsports Racing Podcast, available on YouTube, DailyDownForce.com, and all of your favorite podcasting platforms. And be sure to check out my regular show on NASCAR history, the Scene Vault Podcast. Hey there, NASCAR fans. Have you got your copy of the latest edition of NASCAR Pole Position Print Magazine? If not, there's no better time than now to subscribe at PolePositionMag.com. NASCAR Pole Position is the only print magazine covering NASCAR. Officially licensed by NASCAR, NASCAR Pole Position Magazine is published throughout the NASCAR season, and each edition is an instant collector's item backed with great feature stories and photography. The magazine is even mailed to you in a poly bag for those who love to collect NASCAR memorabilia. At PolePositionMag.com, you can even find past issues available to purchase. Get your subscription to NASCAR Pole Position and get great NASCAR content delivered straight to your mailbox throughout the season. Learn more at PolePositionMag.com. That's PolePositionMag.com. Welcome to, I reached for a hat and I realize I don't have a hat. Welcome to the NASCAR Weekly Podcast. My name is Eric Estep. I am your host, joined by Jarrett Lundberg, aka The Iceberg. 
We've got Daniel Baldwin, otherwise known as Danny B talks and Darian Gilliam, AKA black flags matter will be joining us shortly. He is stuck in some terrible Tennessee traffic, uh, but happy to have everyone here. Thank you all for tuning in boys. We're going to talk Atlanta in just a few moments, but first off, as we do every week here on the NASCAR weekly podcast, we've got to start with our hot takes. Uh, I'll kick things off. We're going to look at the playoff bubble in a moment, but my hot take goes back to one of my bold predictions at the very beginning of the year that I almost got off the train on, but I'm doubling down. AJ Allmendinger will make the 2023 NASCAR Cup Series playoffs. He's gone from 24th in the standings to 18th in just the past five races. He's now only 13 points out after a strategy-ridden top five finish at Atlanta. His average finish the past six races is 10.6. The boy is nearly averaging a top 10 finish. College racing seems to have turned the corner because we also saw Justin Haley have speed in qualifying at Nashville. He obviously almost won the Chicago street race. So uh, AJ Allmendinger, only 13 points back, riding some momentum, and he's got some great tracks coming up. He's got two road courses before the, the playoffs begin, two road courses that he's won at before. So wasn't looking good a few weeks ago, but now I'm doubling down. AJ Allmendinger will be a playoff driver this season. Danny, what do you have to get off your chest this evening? What I have to say is that I am excited to get to go to New Hampshire for the first race this weekend. Uh, for the first time, I've got to go see a race there this weekend. But there's a chance that it could rain. And whatever they need to do, use those wet oval tires make it happen let's let this weekend be the first time that we get to see that really go and let's 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 try it because i only got one chance to really be there at the race i i I guess i theoretically could go on monday but i don't want to because i have a cool time in maine plan for monday including uh my first ride on the amtrak train y'all know i like trains eric said he's getting off the train i'm getting on the train literally uh so run it do whatever we can use those tires well, mine is sort of in the same vein as Eric's, but I'm going to go a step further. Uh, oh. And I'm not even going to say it's just Almondinger. I think that one of the colleague guys, 16 or 31, as well as Michael McDowell, will beat on points. Now, they can get a win uh, in this time, but I think off of speed and finishing and, and points alone, the 34 and one of the colleague cars will beat not only Daniel Suarez, but also Bubba Wallace. And I think that the 99 and 23 for that reason have to win to get into the playoffs because McDowell supremacy will reign and colleague will continue to surge up. That's my hot take. That is a pretty uh, hot take. I just put a poll in our live chat here on YouTube asking who had the hottest take. I thought I was in the lead there until Jarrett one up me by saying not just colleague, but also uh, Michael McDowell makes the playoffs. So a chat vote on that. We'll touch base in just a few moments. We're still waiting on uh Darian traffic must be terrible. We need to get like a find my friend, find my iPhone. Someone needs to put a tracker on Darian. I worry about him sometimes. Um, but gentlemen, let's talk about Atlanta. Was were any of us at Atlanta this trip? I know some of y'all have been to Atlanta nope. before. I have not been to Atlanta motor speedway, but uh, Boy, I sure feel like I need to make the trip, especially after Sunday night's race. Uh, I want to start with you, Jarrett. First off, just your impressions watching, uh, I don't know, probably watching the best race at Atlanta since the repave. Uh, guys were just go, go, go from start to, you know, shortened finish. But uh, what was your takeaway? Or I don't know, I guess what was your reaction just watching the race? Because I felt dizzy. 
My reaction was that if this is the kind of super speedway racing that we're going to get with Atlanta, I'm okay with with the the reconfiguration. Uh, I did not like the first three styles of racing, even if I did think they got better. I think the reason I liked each one a little bit more than the last, even if I wasn't too big a fan of it, was because it continuously got more different than the Crash'em, you know, Wreck'em, Super Speedway racing we've been getting. Uh, I thought that so far this is the not only best Atlanta Super Speedway race, I think this is the best next-gen Super Speedway race in total, uh, simply because... Handling mattered, and I am someone who is a huge fan of that 2009 on back kind of super speedway racing. Really, I'd say about 2000 to 2009, where I'm a big fan of. I did like the Gen 6 package, though I thought some of the drivers made some pretty dumb moves in that one. Um, but I thought this emulated Gen 4 pack racing better, in my opinion, than any other package has. And it, it, it 100% had to do with the track, because you can see that track visibly is more worn out than it was even in the spring. Uh, so my reaction is, if that's what we're going to get, I love that. I'm cool with Atlanta being like that. And that's the super speedway racing that NASCAR needs to go for, not the crash them up one. Yeah, I, I love, like you said, I did like the final Gen 6 super speedway package, uh, but it did... Um, everything's artificial, but artificially wad up the field to where there was so much pushing bumpers, not lining up. It was so easy for a crash to take out 20 cars that I do understand why some drivers weren't a fan of that style of racing. I'm with you though, that Atlanta this weekend, especially looked like pre repaved Daytona uh, and was a beautiful hybrid of handling and drafting style racing. But Danny, uh, your first impressions watching the race Sunday night, what do you, would you make of the action? Uh, definitely thought it's exactly what we've come to know, this new Atlanta package V. But I said this on Twitter, even though it felt like uh, I, I said all this just for Byron to put his big hat on, uh, <laughs> the rain coming honestly made them race better, in my opinion. I think without yeah. it, without, without it, we would have saw a lot of, uh, as much as I like trains, I don't like it on the racetrack. We would have seen a bunch of trains on the racetrack, and that wouldn't have been as entertaining as what we ended up seeing on Sunday. So for what it was, for how short it was, I think we got the absolute best show because of what, we didn't know when the rain would be there. Well, you know yeah. who I want to hear his take on this is I want to hear our co-host Darian's take on this. He came in just the right time. Well, Beautiful. If we'll pop it. There you are. <laughs> Uh, I want to mention Hunter Nixon Fishing sent a super chat. We will get to the rest of those uh, at the top of the hour. But he said, although I prefer old Atlanta, biased Harvick fan, I was at the race this weekend and it was a great race. I was entertained the whole time. So I thought that was kind of interesting. But Darian, uh, for our listening audience, Darian Gilliam has now entered the call. Fine. Darian, we we're just talking about Atlanta. Uh, we were giving our just initial take on the style of racing we saw. What would you make of uh, the cup race at Atlanta? Well, what we saw was the hybrid Atlanta that I've been waiting for that I figured would come as soon as the surface started aging, um, you know, in a few years. And it came a lot quicker than I thought, though. I mean, like this was an actual race where not only did you need, you know, speed drafting, but you also needed handling. And that's one of the things I miss about super speedway racing, you know, especially from the old days, you know, the you know, the good old days, as we call them, the early 2000s. I mean, that's exactly what it reminded me of early 2000s super speedway racing. 
yeah, I think that's similar to what me and uh, Jarrett uh, said as well. So I think we're all in agreement. It was nostalgic. Uh, it was, I think, action-packed. And I agree with Danny that the uh, impending rainstorm uh, certainly upped the intensity more so than we would otherwise see. But uh, let's talk about the finish of this race. Uh, before we get into the winner, William Byron, uh, do you guys agree with how NASCAR called the end of this race? That's been a hot debate. Uh, you know, the rain was coming. We could all see that it was going to wash the night away. But, you know, NASCAR after the, I forget what the final caution was for, but they kind of rode around for a good, you know, five, you know, more than that. It was probably about 10 minutes before eventually parking them for the red flag. You know, do you think NASCAR should have been more aggressive, tried to run a few more laps, or do you think they were right to play it safe? Can I go first on that one? Of course. Uh, I mean, yeah. I And, and at the time I was kind of upset because it's like, I, I really wanted to see Suarez pull that off in the end because I wanted to honestly see a, a three week in a row track house win three different drivers just because that would have been cool but looking back on it i think that they did make the right decision sure they might have even just wrecked as soon as they did a restart for no reasons unrelated to rain but at that point nascar did know it wasn't if it was just how soon and in that case it was a little bit longer than i think they wanted but they knew it was coming and uh, we didn't want a repeat uh daytona from last year or new hampshire from a couple of years ago and i think they made the right call i think so too uh, darian jared y'all have any like any differing takes do you think they should have been more aggressive no i mean like i was gonna agree with danny and stuff but i mean i i mean the only arguments i could see for you know the other side would be oh we would have gotten an awesome finish oh they could have ran like 10 maybe eight to 10 laps beforehand like but the reality is, is that if they run those laps and if these cars start wrecking and shit, and if you get some type of winner that didn't really deserve it, then everyone would be complaining. So NASCAR was in a lose-lose situation here, unfortunately. Yeah. See, I, I think the issue isn't how it ended. I think it's just something that NASCAR needs to fine tune on the other end of the race. Uh, if we're going to do Sunday night races, which has become, I think, a pretty big debate I've seen this week, uh, I think NASCAR needs to do a better job. And I think right now this year is sort of more the testing, pushing it out phase. We saw it with the clash. We seen it with the last two weeks uh, before this one. And now Atlanta. Um, and granted, this isn't going to fix it every time, but I do think that maybe starting at a half hour earlier, that way you can get the finish into that prime time window. Even when it's not rain, I, I guess that's the only way I would say maybe could fix this. The, the the other end with the rain, you know, I, I'm going to sound like a parrot here with what you guys have said. I'm fine with, with them ending it. Yes, I think they could have rushed the restart. Um, they, you know, they probably could have got five to ten more laps in. And, and so in that sense, I guess it's not completely perfect how they called it, I guess. But I would much rather, and I said this after Daytona, I'd much rather we take them down pit road before the lightning or rain gets there even if it's not on the track, but we know it's going to hit at any moment, then do it. It's not exactly like Daytona in the sense that, you know, we're not going to have probably a Florida pop-up shower uh, in Atlanta you know, or Hampton, Georgia. Uh, but we saw the same thing with New Hampshire. I I'd much rather us be upset we didn't get enough of a good race than that good race be spoiled like that Daytona race was, which I thought was pretty awesome up until that crash. And yeah. that that New Hampshire race, which even though that ended kind of controversially still was a pretty good race, even for New Hampshire standards, just for race standards overall. And we remember it for the first four laps. 
So I'd much rather yeah. we remember the race for something better and then maybe work on start times or work on procedures later than completely overshadow the good momentum NASCAR has right now. Yeah, it was a trade-off. You know, like Danny said earlier, the great racing we saw was at least partially the product of the rain coming, but we kind of knew we weren't getting all the way to the end. At some point, this race was just going to end before we were ready for it to end. So you kind of, at least personally sitting down, I was prepared for an anticlimactic finish, and that was just kind of the trade-off. Um, I like Isaac in the chat says, what's NASCAR Shill's opinion on this? <laughs> Of course, that, that I want to know. I want to hear that. He's going to agree. They probably NASCAR. agree with us. Honestly, we kind of yeah. sound like NASCAR shill. Oh, NASCAR got it right. They couldn't do anything wrong. Um, but uh, gentlemen, let's move on and talk about William Byron, who got this win tonight. I saw a super chat a moment ago from uh, Gary Buki said, so close to the three uh, straight track house sweep, all three cars winning back-to-back weeks, almost witnessed more history. Unfortunately, lame ending though. Oh, well, hope y'all have a good one. Uh, do y'all agree with uh, Gary Buki that it was a lame ending. I guess we do. I guess we all do agree it was kind of a lame ending. But William Byron getting the win, Big Hat Byron, you know, was that kind of anticlimactic, I guess? He's now the winningest driver in the series I'm, this year. I'm I'm, I'm going to go uh, fully lean into the Hendrick hater uh, oh, trend here. Uh, but I think yes, and I think any major driver up front winning that race after the guys we had up there was going to seem like a letdown. Uh, I mean, I, I said it in our chat. I'm like, all of this for a William Byron win. We had Almondinger up there. We had McDowell up there. <laughs> McDowell's supremacy was three spots away from reigning over all of us. We had all of the like these great options. Daniel Suarez was up there. We had uh, Chris Busher, who, by the, way, by the way, Chris Busher, uh, this this should not this should wake people up so they can look at his stat line overall. Chris Busher, if I'm not mistaken, has the same amount of top tens this year. As Ross Chastain, I'm opening up my stat book just to be sure. I believe it's Ross. Take yes. stats by hand, by the way. This is old school. <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah. He doesn't have the same amount of top fives. Chris Busher uh, should be known as a sleeper moving forward. But we could have had a Chris Busher win, a Brad Keselowski 80 race winless streak. So if if it was Kyle yeah. Busch, I'd feel the same way. Uh, if it were Chase, I'm actually Chase Elliott would have been a really fun one with the storyline, the playoff right drama. Uh, yeah. But if it was, you know, if if it was. Stain, I'd probably feel that way. If it was Denny Hamlin, I'd feel that way. So it's not necessarily I, I dislike Byron. That's why it's kind of a letdown finish to me. It's more just, man, we had we were so close, so uh, close from greatness. Oddly enough, I have to ask: Is that a Byron throwback hat you've got on? Uh, actually, it's a Days of Thunder hat. Okay. Oh yeah, yeah, he did do a yeah, he did do a throwback. So yeah, I guess though. I guess yeah. you could say so. It's yeah. it's in the theme. <laughs> yeah. So I'll counter argue with that and say like, well, hold on. What was the original question? Like, was this like a boring win know. or was it? A, yeah. I, anyway, I, meant to, I wanted to just talk about William I'll let down. I'll let I think, down. A, I think a lot of people, not, it's not really him per se, but honestly, the hat thing is just weird. Yeah. I don't get it. <laughs> yeah. I, I, but, I'm a, I'm a big time big but, hat hater. I think that's so lame. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah. but anyways, but anyways, though, well, I mean, like I'm not, when William Byron has like a little personality, then like you got to do something right. But anyways, I mean, but he's a hell of a hell of a stock car driver, though. I mean, four wins, the most all season. But I'd say this win was definitely I I would say this win is his most impressive all year. Here's why. OK, mm. he came back. Remember, he came back from a spin, flat tire, all that. OK, he came back. And yeah, he had some strategy calls, you know, help him out towards the end there. But you know what? Hey, props to his crew chief there. They made the right calls towards the end. 
And I was thinking towards the end of that race, I'm like, yeah, hey, this is where the crew chiefs, you know, make their money and stuff. You're either a hero or a zero in these cases. And uh, William Byron's crew chief, uh, Rudy Fugel, was an absolute hero, was able to get his guy up front, right, uh, right place at the right time. Hey, that's what it's all about in some of these races sometimes. So I, I don't think it's a letdown win. Honestly, I'll say it's like his, you know, his most impressive win. I have a season. question for all three of you. Who are the two drivers that William Byron tied on the all-time wins list with his eighth career win? By the way, half his wins have come in, what, what was his first one this year, Las Vegas? So they've come in the last 16 races. Yeah. Ooh. So, so who is he tied um, with with eight wins? Eight wins. Eight wins. McMurray. Uh no. McMurray. No, he surpassed him, I think, right? Uh yeah. McMurray was has right. seven. I I I can tell you who I think one is. Go for it. His his girlfriend's brother. Correct. Ding ding ding. Uh, Ryan Blaney's oh, one of them. Okay. Damn. Don't look at the chat. Alex Bowman. No, nope. Bowman's at seven. No, he's he's lower. Uh, Don't look at the crap. chat, but who is the other one? We've talked about him on the top 75 list. Kyle Petty. Yes. Yep, oh, that's it. That's, nice. it. that's right. Damn, that's right. That's right. I And I know the chat's probably blah, 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 like all of them in there. But Hey, pretty impressive. <laughs> yeah, I, I thought it was Bowman, but I was like counting because I know. No, like, no, he's less now. That in, yeah. in, in Fooey, he had that on Byron forever. Now it's gone. Yeah, but finally, it's about time Byron does this stuff. I mean, like, so he's got four wins this year. So half of his career wins have came this year. So, and he's been in the Cup Series yeah. since 2018. I know he was young when he came in, and I know Hendrick was in a rebuilding phase. But we had been waiting, like, you know, I, I'd want to say, like, oh, okay, 2021, okay, this is the year, right? Didn't happen. 2022, last year, this is the year, didn't happen. And now it's finally happening. Thank goodness. It's a, it's he's avoiding him... that, that summer lull that he had last mm-hmm. year. It took right. him longer than Chase Elliott to get the first win, I think. And then, uh, it, but once he got going, he got him a lot faster than some of the other drivers. Mm-hmm. It was funny about post-race stream, I think, because Byron, I believe, is the same age as me, I want to say. I think he's 25. Think so. yeah. um, <laughs> and I will say eight wins by 25 is impressive. Uh, I have zero. Same. Yeah. Hey, hey, you know what? You know what? Actually, he's a month younger than me. And you know what? Fun fact, though. Fun fact. I will always have this over him. Remember, I beat him at a NASCAR heat. So I have one win over William Byron. So that's saying. Just saying. (laughs) Just saying. Well, but no, no, no. I remember his career started on a computer. Yeah. (laughs) And you beat him at his own game. (laughs) What I'll get to is is somebody had brought this up. So remember, I believe William Byron and Jeff Gordon are the only two that have won in the 24, correct? Yes. All right. That's 101 wins now for the 24. So uh, I had somebody in the chat who was like, I want to say it might have been Tyler McGonagall in the chat. So Byron fan asking this. I'm not doing this to dunk on Byron. I'm just saying like eight is impressive. Well, then he goes, well, how many did Jeff Gordon have by then? And I was, I was curious. I was like, Oh no, I didn't know. I didn't know what age he was. So uh. I want y'all to put the guesses in really quick. I want the three of you to, I, I'm not, I'm so, sure I'm not trying to turn this into a game. Show. By the age of 25, by, by right. the end of the season, he was 25. Yes. Uh, Gordon had probably 20 wins. I'm going to say hold on, 24. Cause he hit double digit wins. Like his, Third yeah. season, something like yeah. that, something crazy. Yeah, maybe second. I'm, I'm wondering if it's a trick question. Was he even 25 when he started racing? He was. It's <laughs> okay, not a trick okay. question. I swear. Yeah, he was. He was one of the younger guys. Like, okay, I, I knew he was young. I didn't know how young he was. Okay, uh, I want to say 20. 29. 
Oh my! By twenty five, he, he had two ten win seasons by the end of his season. The season in ninety seven when he was had a, a tenth win. Or, uh, I knew it was uh, twenty five. So there, I forgot there, how young he was. There is nobody who can compare to that right now. No, no but, no but what I'm saying is, is like someone brought that up and. That might see it might make what Byron's done by twenty five seem kind of insignificant. I don't think so. I just mm. what Byron's done is impressive. It's just funny when people like I don't want people to compare him to Gordon like like I just ironically did, uh, <laughs> but like I just and I just wanted to bring that up at some point because people in the chat brought it up and it was really interesting. But eight wins so far, uh, and he won't turn twenty six till the end of the year. So he could realistically also He's have got double time. digit wins by He just needs or 21 more wins to match Gordon. <laughs> How many races do we have left? 17. Like 16, 17? Yeah. <laughs> uh, gonna start doubling them up or somehow, some way. Um, that's uh, fascinating, though. So he would have to start it right now. The only person who could have a chance is Ty Gibbs, but he needs to take off and average 5.8 wins a year starting now. <laughs> Good luck, Ty. We're rooting for yeah. you. History is meant to be broken. <laughs> or wait, no, it's records are wait, meant to be broken, wait, not no, history. Don't break that's, history. That's just to equal him. He needs to do more to, to beat it. No pressure. No pressure at all. Um, congrats, though, to William Byron. Uh, we actually have Tyler McGonagall just sent a super chat. Byron, Byron, Byron. Jarrett needs to never have him missing the playoffs again. Uh, and so, yes, he says he is the resident Byron fan. Yeah, we he met is a huge Tyler. Byron fan. I signed Big a Byron, Byron car fans. for him. That's enough, okay? <laughs> we also just hit 600 concurrent viewers, uh, which uh, we really appreciate everyone tuning in live on a Wednesday night. We were talking before the show. Uh, this is like the one night a year where like the NBA, NHL, MLB, and NFL are all off. I think oh. there's summer league maybe, but who's watching the summer? Oh, Wemby's oh, already Wem- shut down. Wembeyama is not, he's out of it. So there's no point. Yeah. 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 That's, off, that's off tonight league. too. It's like the one dark night of the year. Yeah. yeah. So we own this evening. Uh, <laughs> mark your calendars. Uh, let's talk about some of the other drivers though, that impress specifically some of the Fords uh, before I think the second to last caution, which forced guys like Keselowski to pit for fuel. Uh, like it was awesome. You had the two RFK Fords of Keselowski and Busher dueling the Penske Fords of Cindric and Blaney. Logano was in the mix. I think Kyle Bush was in the mix. It, it was great, but seeing Brad actually pull ahead of his former car, his former teammates, uh, was really cool to see. Once again, RFK looked to be the class of the field at a super speedway. Just, you know, the rain came at the wrong time. Strategy didn't work out, but, uh, I, I mean, we can talk about the Fords, but I guess, I want everyone on, on the panel here to highlight one driver who stood out to them, either with how they ran or how they finished uh, Sunday night. Who wants to go first? I know I'm putting you all on the spot. I'll go. Go, Jared. I brought him up earlier, Chris Buescher. Uh, Chris Buescher, okay. this, this, over this year, totally, uh, has been one of the most overlooked drivers. He's, I think, running about as fast, at least consistently. Maybe not as fast, but smarter or at least staying out of trouble more than a lot of guys up front. And he did the same thing on, on Sunday night. And I think that if Chris Buescher can, I think, I think learn more from Keselowski, he might be that next big super speedway racer. He's already got the road courses on lock. I believe he has eight top tens in a row in the road courses. Yeah. He's, he's been dynamite Uh, this year so far. 
you know, now because of how many laps he led, though, he has almost 100 laps led. I have to think that's up there has to be the most he's ever led. Um, that one DNF, he stayed out of trouble for the most part. He was up. It was like him, Keselowski versus the three Penske cars. Because for once, yeah. Austin Sindrick showed up. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And then the RFK Fords pulled ahead. That's what I thought was so uh, exciting. And that's kind of where I wanted the race to end selfishly as someone who wants to see Brad uh, do well. I've become a big Brad fan in the last year. I just love what he's doing over there. Me, uh, what were me, you and, say, Danny? me and Jared especially wanted to see Brad do good. Yeah, we yeah, we yeah. picks. Yeah. See, technically, I picked Blaney for the race, and I was still rooting for for Brad. <laughs> but uh, uh, I, I want to mention and uh, a couple drivers real quick. Um, Eric Jones finished eleventh. He didn't run particularly great. In fact, he was involved in a few incidents. There was one with, uh, oh shoot, who was it that kind of came down? Was it Lejoy uh, and had, Jones? Like, three issues. Like yeah, and yeah. the Lejoy deal. I thought you know Jones wasn't quite on the bottom, but Lejoy also came down. It was like so. they were both at fault in that situation. Yeah, but but Jones definitely got into other people. The one thing that stood out to me about Eric Jones, who I've called the most underrated super speedway racer in the Cup Series. Not sure if that's still true, but it was for a time. Uh, he was the most willing driver to run that third lane. Like he was running the Larson lineup against the Him wall and by himself. Shurex did it a bit as well. I think Bubba did towards the end to make some time up at one point, but Jones consistently, I was just watching. It was remarkable. Never knew it was there until this race. Like they just made it, made it work. And I I guarantee in the spring, we'll see a lot more guys doing that. Uh, Darian, were there any drivers that particularly stood out to you Sunday night? Are we talking about just Ford or are we talking about anybody? Anyone. I started with Fords, but it could be anybody. Well, there's a couple. They happen to be Fords. I mean, first off, uh, top five. All hell, McDowell supremacy, y'all. Uh-huh. Yeah. It says a lot about a guy who, you know, just stays in the race, you know, just remains patient and then is able to finish where, um, where, um, uh, when it matters the most. And that's been McDowell, really. It feels like, I feel like this year in general, he's been the type of guy where it's like, okay, he's not going to be contending for wins and stuff, but he's running just about where he needs to be in the teens and just barely outside the top 10 or just barely inside the top 10 and getting those finishes when they matter the most. But then also, Shout out to J.J. Yaley, P7. His 2009 first, F1 yeah. champion, according to Fox. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's right. But now, J.J. Yaley's best finished since 2008 at New Hampshire and his first top five since then as well. So, Or no, first top, top 10, 10 since then. Yeah, first top 10. So, yeah, props to him and Rick Ware Racing for getting it done. I really, I, when I saw him up there, I was like, oh, good strategy. Got him a good restart here, but he, he stayed up there, so yeah. he didn't really fall back. Yeah, he stayed up there. He and legit I mean, I, race for the win. Yeah, like there's another underfunded team too. Um, we were actually on. Don't take car. them all. Don't take them all. Yeah. Well, no, I'm saying, I'm saying, I just want to say, BJ McLeod though, he had shown some some promise, but then, yeah, unfortunately, but, Darian <laughs> sweeped up about half the field. Jared, did you have someone you wanted to talk about? <laughs> I talked about someone. I'm like, Danny said oh, he yeah. had someone too. Oh yeah, my bad, Danny. Yeah. Um. Well, yeah, I want to talk about JJ Yaley. So who's left in here? Uh, <laughs> Uh, the Daytona 500 champion, Ricky Stenhouse Jr. got another top 10. That was good. And, uh, of course. AJ a- a- Allmendinger, uh, you know, we-, we-, we always talk about him having a chance on the road course as well. Don't forget, he has a chance on super speedways too. So, well, and, Absolutely. Uh, how about Ty Dillon? It's like the one time a year that he'll actually be the highest finishing Spire car. <laughs> yeah, where do you get, 19? Hey, yes, hey, finally. Hey, you know what's odd about this? And this is no disrespect to our lovely partners at Live Fast Motorsports we were with. It seems like Ty Dillon is always fighting that similar number 78 car, mm-hmm. even when they're both doing good. They're still right beside each other all the time, whether they're in the back or in the middle. 
One other driver I want to mention is Daniel Suarez. We've talked about him a little bit, but he finished second, played the strategy a little bit, but also had some speed. Um, but I said on uh, my show last week that you know they've struggled lately. They'd fallen out of playoff, out of a playoff spot. I said that these next seven or eight weeks, whatever it is, he needs to dig deep, figure it out. His track house teammates have been winning the past few weeks. And Suarez, we got a super chat earlier that mentioned it, came so close to making it three in a row for track house, actually pointed his way back into the top 16, at least, at least for the time being. So I wanted to give Suarez some credit for coming through in the clutch and having a great run. Just needs you know six or seven more of those, and he'll be a playoff driver once again. Um, real quick, before we actually look at the playoff cut line, I meant to talk about this earlier. We jumped right into the racing. But before the race went green, uh, what do you guys think of that? Very cool uh, Kevin Harvick tribute. Richard Childress driving around the 01 Monte Carlo that Harvick got his first win at. Uh, they were both in front of the field together. Like you even heard, uh, yeah, I guess we were all watching at home. We we're all watching on TV. But so you guys heard Harvick's uh, in race, you know, interview. Like he sounded emotional. Like I kind of felt bad that he then had to like buckle down and go racing just a moment later because, you know, he was in his fields uh, up there in the front of the field driving next to his uh, old boss and old race car. But what'd you guys make of, of that sort of touching tribute? Anytime I can see a gen four car on the track, it makes me happy in general, but (laughs) uh, I, I mean, I'm just glad that Harvick is getting the type of send off that a lot of big name drivers have gotten in recent years. Uh, Cause I, I feel like Harvick is one of those drivers we like if you look at his stats and you look at more in depth like the four of us have like you understand how great his career has been especially going over to SHR but I feel like he's someone almost that a lot of people take for granted for being an all-time great and I'm glad he's getting that kind of treatment uh, because it's not the only race that this has been you know some kind of tribute like this has happened to Uh, but I also love the fact that Richard Childress and Kevin Harvick after how ugly that breakup was They've completely buried the hatchet, seem to be just as good of friends as they were back in the 2000s. And I I love that Childress was the one who was able to drive it out there for him. Yeah, that was cool. Really shows that not that Richard Childress doesn't just look on his success as a car owner as just Dale Earnhardt. We've seen him go out and drive the three car. We've seen him do it with people like the owner of Bass Pro Shops and the owner of Team Real Trade. They've ran a couple of cars, did some pace up with those guys. But this is one where equal, honestly, equal partners with both of those drivers. You know, it, Kevin Harvick was a huge part of the team's, you know, continuance. It, without him, who knows if they'd even, if they didn't have Kevin Harvick winning races for him in a very dark time. Honestly, who knows if Austin Dillon gets a chance to get in the car, if it's even still around at that point. Yeah, who knows? I mean, yeah, the team could have folded at that point. I mean, like, if, you know, Harvick won, like, you know, less than, uh, yeah, like less than a month after uh, Dustin's passing. I mean, passing. three or four he, races. Yeah. He wasn't the only driver to win after Dale Earnhardt Sr.'s passing. What, what we, we saw uh, Clint Boyer come through, do really good. We saw Paul Jeff Menard. Burton, Paul Menard won mm-hmm. Brickyard 400 win. Yeah. Um, you know, Jeff Burton won a couple of times, but none of them compared to what Harvick well, did. And you know yeah, what? I, we, we talked about age earlier. I mean, all that weight also. And and this isn't, you know, comparing back and forth of like who had most responsibility or whatever at that time, but all that weight on a 25-year-old's shoulders. I mean, he's 25 that season. And uh, he wasn't even supposed to be in cup full-time until the following year either. So it was just, you just got rushed in basically and, due to... 
on tragic circumstances. And, and that answer. that first win, like, yeah, in a lot of ways, that's huge for Kevin Harvick's career. But I look back on that win, and I don't really as much remember Kevin Harvick or the burnout he did, which was honestly a really cool burnout he did back then. But I remember the shots of seeing Chocolate Myers in tears after they got that win. That's what I remember. That 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 particular car, when I think of that, when I think of that race, I think of the healing that it was for Dale Earnhardt's team. It's a great point. Yeah, it was a great tribute. I wanted to highlight a, a super chat we got earlier from Fred Dog 81 They asked, uh, what other Harvick tributes would you like to see on the remaining tracks? I'd like to see him and Mark Martin commemorate the greatest finish in Daytona 500. I don't, I don't, I don't know if Martin's going to be down for that. I don't think Mark Martin wants to relive that necessarily, <laughs> yeah. but but he, uh, he wants he wants the better ending of that. Well, <laughs> yeah, the good, to, to kind of add some like good news on top of this for something that could be done. Talking about Chocolate Myers, I believe it was last week they announced his cancers in remission. Yeah. So yeah. if he's they, up to they, it, they rang the bell. Yeah, if he's up to it, like I would love to see something with him and Harvick, just because we always hear about stuff. Anything we see with Chocolate Myers is about Dale Earnhardt, but but you know people forget they he went through that the same time with Kevin Harvick. I would love to see them talk about it in like a, a little piece of NBC. Have Dale Jr. interview him. I mean. Yeah, yeah, that'd be great. If there's anyone uh, who'd be able to interview and ask actual good questions to both of them that people wouldn't have thought of before, it would be him. I'm sorry for being a dumb NASCAR fan and not knowing this, but was 2001 Chocolates last year? He do any more after that? I think he did one more, or, or no, like a couple more years, right? I I think, I think I, if I'm not mistaken, I, I remember Harvick saying something before that they tried to run it back in 2002 and it just went completely off the rails. It wasn't his team. Mm-hmm. They didn't have okay. the same emotional ride. And so I think 2003, the team kind of started anew. Uh, okay. If, if I'm, I, I could be wrong though. I, I was five. If the chat knows, correct me down in the chat. One, yeah. one, um, track that definitely needs to do something for Harvick is Phoenix and Harvick could very well be contending for a championship, but Phoenix at the end of the year, how many times did Harvick win there? Nine, I think Nine to 10. a lot. Yeah. <laughs> uh, he has the most wins in the tracks history now. Yeah. They should definitely do something. Uh, na- name a name, their southernmost tunnel after Harvick. Oh, like, come on. Uh, name it did. Kevin Harvick. Yeah. You did it. You did it for Jeff Gordon. Let's do it for Kevin Harvick. Yeah. Honestly. Yeah. They, and honestly, they set and a also- precedent. And also at the end of the race, too, I mean, they want to do what they did with uh, Johnson in 2020. But this time, have the camera actually show what's going on. You know, everybody just, you know, gives them the high five and stuff on pit lane. Everyone lines up, you know. He had to replace the man who originally did that. So why not go out that way? Yeah. Two notes going back to what we were just talking about. Uh, people said chocolate retired after 2002. And also, since we brought up the word chocolate, the chat was quoting SpongeBob. Chocolate! chocolate. No, no, you need what you need to do is quote the, the best line in SpongeBob. Four ply, four ply, four ply. <laughs> I told someone I'd be able to say that in this show. I, fi- I've, I, we found oh, an wow. opening, baby. Season six. What season are we on? Six. Yeah, <laughs> six. found an opening. Two, two minute account. Two yep. minute account. Yeah. I don't even. I don't remember why, why that was in the episode. That's, I'll yeah. explain it after because honestly, like if I explained it too much about four ply toilet paper, I could. Probably, people would go different ways with that. 
I remember that I think speaking of that SpongeBob scene, I remember this time in high school. You know, kids are like go from room to room selling chocolate for whatever fundraiser. Oh, God. Thing. Yeah. And um, I just remember they, these kids came in, some charity thing, and they're talking to our class. Oh, please, like, you know, chocolate for a good cause. And there's like a silence. And this kid in the back of the class just goes, What? What are they selling? <laughs> what are they died. selling? <laughs> chocolate. What? Did chocolate. I remember when great. they made sweet, sweet chocolate. <laughs> I always I wish, hated it. I wish the people doing the like, you know, selling had like, you know, gotten into on the bit as well and uh, continued mm-hmm. the scene like Jared just did. Um, but that I'll never forget that moment. That was that's, so funny. That, that's that's such a classic oh. episode. I, I always think of the guy saying, "Man, I've got you right where I want you. I'd like to buy all your chocolate." <laughs> well, r- real quick, circling back to what we talked about earlier, NASCAR Shell did give his opinion. Yes, oh, of course. Of course, you're gonna say that Atlanta <laughs> reconfiguration is a clear success. Thank you, NASCAR. <laughs> I'd expect nothing less from NASCAR yeah. Shell. Um, real quick, before we get into the ratings and then the poll, where, where we'll actually hear from all of you guys whether or not the Atlanta reconfiguration was a success, uh, I want to look at the playoff bubble with seven regular season races to go. Daniel Suarez, I mentioned him a moment ago. He is now in plus three. McDowell is also plus three. So they're tied for, I guess, technically the final two transfer spots. Then you have Bubba Wallace, minus three. Almondinger climbing up the leaderboard. He's minus 13. In 19th is Ty Gibbs, minus 26. Austin Sendrick still in the mix, minus 38. Justin Haley up to 21st, minus 41. And Alex Bowman, sorry, Danny, has uh, continued to free fall down to 22nd, minus Uh 44. I know there's some other factors in this, mainly the injury, but what a weird season. He was doing so well yeah. when we started this year. Should have had 160 points took away from him from penalties, got 100 back. Then the races he missed from injury basically got back that 100-point penalty, and now he's never good in the summer, so he's just it just tanks. He's tanking and tanking and tanking. He's tanking for a higher draft pick, but I wish it worked yeah. that way because, because then maybe he could draft up better pit crew or something, but, well, but and then, for, and for, then for him, for him, he might be getting ready to learn uh, uh, language in Europe, buddy. Yes. <laughs> or, or sell to real estate. And if this were the NBA, he would have to go through a lottery and stuff. So like a top pick would even if guarantee. This, if, if this, Chinese. If, if this was like, if this if NASCAR was like NBA, he's heading to the Euro League. Hell yeah. <laughs> I mean, like they got some pretty good ballers over there, but but no, nah, I mean like this playoff cut line, man. Again, this is like the type of cut line you live for if you're into the playoffs. But props yeah. to Michael McDowell. All hell supremacy so far. And you and it's the kind of thing where you know we're basically 15th and 16th are the final two spots that are kind of up for grabs. I think Keselowski, Busher are hundred points ahead. The only way they fall out is if there's a bunch of new winners, which I don't think that's going to happen at this point, but you know, we're arguing about 15th and 16th. It's a great, you know, debate. Realistically, all these drivers we just named, let's just be real. Suarez, McDowell, Wallace, Allmendinger, none of them are winning the championship, right? Like, you know, this mm-hmm. is like the play in tournament Busy in the work. NBA. I know, I guess, you know, the Miami Heat didn't make, did they make it to the finals? They did. Year? They did. Yeah, all right. So uh, never mind. Anything's possible, I suppose. <laughs> uh, Michael McDowell going to be at Phoenix. And you know what? You know, if McDowell's at Phoenix, whoever, if Suarez is the one eliminated for him, just like the well, Chicago Bull fans, I'm going to say it, they could have won the championship too. Kidding. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but, but also, too, like, you have to remember, too, like, I mean, you know, Chase Briscoe wasn't a championship fav- favorite by all, by no means, but then, you know, somehow makes it to the, the round of eight. And that yeah. was like, I mean, for a moment, we we're like, wait, is this real? Like, can he really make the championship? So, 
So, hey, you know, once the playoffs start, you never know what's going to well, happen. The so, parody in NASCAR is unlike uh, it has been in a long, long time. That is true. And just making the playoffs for some of these teams, especially for like, I don't know, college or even front row. Uh, that's a big making deal. Making the playoffs is a big deal. The bonuses that come with it, the extra attention for your sponsors that garners, that's a mm-hmm. big deal. Well, Danny, you said so Bowman has had, if I'm correct, 60 points officially now off his tally because of the penalties, right? Yeah. Okay. So even with that, He'd only be plus sixteen on the cut line. It's like, yeah, man. he's he's done pretty bad this this mid middle of the year, which he I, usually does. Well, and I think I think yeah. too because I honestly think that he they were onto something early in the season. I know, I just think that, it's the injury. They they had a good race going this weekend, but then he he did exactly what he did wrong in qualifying. But this time there was Denny Hamlin in a way. I well, and mm-hmm. I I just think overall, I mean. It's very similar to kind of the performance and different things that would happen with Denny Hamlin back in 2013 when he, I believe, when he had, I want to say, the same injury. If not, it was a very similar back injury. Uh, I mean, so- I was surprised to see him go back in the race at Charlotte because I, I told you guys, I, I watched Alex climbing up into the pit box at Darlington, and I yeah. told you he still looked a little stiff. I didn't know if he was 100% ready. So I... I'm not expecting him at this point just because Atlanta, in my opinion, was where anyone could get the big chunks made up. I think the big fight is at least as we run 15th to 19th. I don't see Cindric turning up, you know, the wick anytime soon. I think Haley had too bad of a start to the season that maybe he'll get a win. Uh, but if I'm looking at the guys points wise to talk about, obviously the, the guys are separated by three from 15th to 17th. Almondinger starting to get turned on or turning it on. Never mind. Clip that one. Um, he's, getting, he's getting what? <laughs> he's, getting he's getting Yeah, he's getting, he's dinging it, man, because Indy's coming up. Um, <laughs> and then Ty Gibbs. Ty Gibbs, I think, of the points guys is the wild card when it comes to just making it on points. Because I don't yeah. know what to expect. He's going to all these tracks now for a repeat time. Uh, maybe that's a big difference. It's a shame he got involved in that wreck because he was looking on pace to get, you know, having a, a pretty decent points day. But um, this is yeah. also a fact. Uh, half of Hendrick is below is outside the playoffs. So, I mean, we were just talking about Bowman. But the thing is, like, I would talk about Elliott, but now he's not even on the little playoff list we have here and stuff. He is he's on the, he, way he on the outside. It wasn't before him. this week either. He's actually getting oh. two spots. She oh, okay. rank. he was. It was just oh. he's he's he gained two spots, but he lost points. Oh, yeah. so she rank in the chat asked, um, and I'll read it verbatim. How far back is Mickey Elliott? Which you know where their allegiances lie. Um, Chase Elliott, I believe, if my calculations are correct, boop, 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 is sixty points below the cut line. Oh, so yes, and, and let's let's look at what we have coming up for his for really everyone's last chances to do this. We've got New Hampshire, Pocono, Richmond, Michigan, Indy Road Course, Watkins Glen, and Daytona. If I'm Hendrick and I want to get my two drivers not in, the best chances to win, I've probably got to have Richmond and Michigan circled for the 48, and I've got to have Watkins Glen circled for the 9. And Pocono. He won Pocono off of technicality last year. Yep, that is. (laughs) Off of State. well, really, but both of these two won it by happenstance. Yeah. Uh, Peter Strata in the chat just dropped a very interesting Larry McReynolds McNugget. Uh, the only full team in the playoffs right now is RFK. 
Oh, that's kind of right. surprising. Wow. Now they're only and, a two car team, but still like three of the four Gibbs guys are in two of the three Penske boys, is one Stuart Haas, you know, we got the one JTG. I know that doesn't count. Uh, well, wait, technically, I guess Suarez is in. So I guess both Trackhouse guys are in right now because Suarez yeah. just pointed back in, but it was before this week he but wasn't they're in. they're lo- like the, the, the RFK guys, unless something catastrophic happens. They're locked. Be locked. Uh, yeah. yeah, they're virtual locks. Here's an interesting nugget here from Seahawks 24 rule. In terms of owner's points, the 48 is only in the owner's playoffs by two points. So that gives you an idea of where the 48 team has been altogether, no matter who's in the car. That's, yeah. that's interesting. Well, and and to, to kind of wrap up the RFK thing in a bow, I don't, I don't see uh, who is it? Is it Brad? Who's a hundred points up? Yes. Uh, I, I don't see Brad or even Busher losing 15 points a race to the likes of Daniel Suarez, Michael McDowell and Bubba Wallace. <laughs> It would need to be, we need three different winners from below the cut line in these final seven races. And I, I, I mean, Almadinger could win a road course. Daytona is Daytona, but Elliot's I don't fast still. He could win. Elliot's fast. So it's possible. It's more possible than years past. You got Bowman back there as well. It's a Hendrick card, but got to watch out for Bubba Wallace at Michigan, in my opinion. Yes, I agree. Yes. I agree. I agree. Yes. Uh, but would he have even been up there if Bell and the track house guys didn't get taken out? He still would have gotten a top five, though. Yeah, but but he, I don't think he'd be competing for a win because those track house cars and Bell were really fast in that Michigan race. No, so maybe that's where you got to watch Suarez too. Yeah, really I fun. like I like that we have so much competitiveness now that we really honestly yeah. don't know who's going to make these last few. Spots. It's exciting. If you're going to have playoffs, you might as well have a lot of parity for yeah. you know stuff like this. There used to be like you know. It used to be, you know, the top 12 or 14 were actually decent. And then once you got to like 15th, 16th on back, it's like, who really cares? But like right now there's a couple of Hendrick guys, a Gibbs guy, 2311 track out. Like these are good drivers, good cars that are vying for, again, valuable playoff positions. So Spencer saying take notes, F1. <laughs> Parody. That's like, that's a scary word. <laughs> the, the, um, they're they're going to look if they ever see a new winner. Yeah. At this rate, how many in a row has it been for Verstappen? Six. He's won every race this year, man. Or no, almost every race. Almost every I'm race. just going to place a bunch every. of money on him one of these days. And it's like, first, like, oh, Verstappen <laughs> is flipping. Like, I think, and now, Chad, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think there's only been like 20 or 25 laps where Red Bull hasn't like been in the lead this season. Wow, Some crazy stat like that. So yeah, but yeah, but to- no, no. According to uh, the one person from Bloomberg, no, no. NASCAR's the one that's failing right now. It's totally NASCAR that's the problem. Wait, you, you say? Oh, you said Bloom. That's all I need to hear. Never mind. <laughs> that's all <laughs> but, I needed to hear. But, but hey, let's not forget. Uh, even though Max might have won this last race, when the movie comes out, he won't. Brad Pitt <laughs> hey, I'm like, I'm gonna go see that movie, bro. I'm gonna go see that. I'm gonna go Watch see Brad that. Pitt be the next F1 winner. That's not <laughs> Max Verstappen. Yeah, because they also got the guy from Snowfall that's in the movie too. Like, oh, that's cool. So they're getting the stars out. That's awesome. I think that's that's gonna be funny if that happens. I'm rooting for it now. Um, but let's get back to NASCAR before we wrap up Atlanta. Let's look at the TV ratings real quick. Uh, 2.56 million viewers tuned into. USA Network Sunday evening, which is down 4% from 2022, but actually up from 2021. It was the most watched sporting event of the weekend, though. So uh, all in all, fine. Maybe we're hoping for a little more of an uptick post-Chicago, but it is cable versus network was last weekend. So, And it is Sunday night, well, so no, doesn't I, that make a difference? I, I, or? The Sunday night would 
bolster it. The The problem is, is that when you take out the end of the race and the most people would be watching, you take out yep. about 15% of what the audience would be. Good which would be around 3 million. People waking up from their stage two nap uh, tuned in <laughs> and the race was over. Oh no. Wait, <laughs> there goes if, you sl- if you really slept during this race, bro. Oh my God. You know, <laughs> some people say they do. I don't, I don't, I don't understand it, but I, I get it. Everyone has different viewing habits. Go I, for I, whatever I, makes you I happy. saw someone tweet where it's like, why are all these NASCAR fans still mad? And someone went, because these are the ones that take a nap in the middle of the race and they can't because they're actually invested now. <laughs> damn, damn good racing getting in the way of my nap time. <laughs> All right. Uh, let's move on then to um, to listen to what our fans, what our viewers thought oh, of the yes. race, Darian. And it's time for the poll, the famous iceberg poll on the NASCAR weekly podcast. Well, it's in, it's you want me there. to read them? Or- yeah, yeah, go for it. Okay. All right. Usually this this the iceberg poll. I guess I'll play uh, iceberg today. Uh, 56% of our viewers voted great. Said that the Atlanta race was great. 27, 27% said it was good, which results in an 83% net positive. 10% of fans said the race was perfectly average. 3% said below average and 4% said bad. 7% net negative. So s- certainly swayed uh, in the positive direction. Jarrett, what were some of the top comments fans left? Well, uh, the first one I want I want you guys to ask or, or give your little answer to it. I swear I've turned this into a game show tonight. Uh, from Seahawks twenty four eighty three, is it positive, negative, or meme? Uh, positive. That's a new username. I don't really recognize them. I'm gonna say positive. I'm gonna say positive. That's a new name. All right, Seahawks twenty four eighty three says absolutely amazing. I have not been happy with the racing at New Atlanta, but the cup cars put on an incredible show. Truly what I hoped for with the changes to the track. This was by far the best super speedway race with the next gen car. Awesome. Oh, he thinks it's the best one. Wow. Okay. okay. It's a little debatable. I think you came in late. I actually said the same thing. Okay. So I think it's in the conversation. It was probably the first next gen super speedway race that had three lanes working at different points. Yeah. And and it's weird because this should definitely be the one where it doesn't work. Exactly. I would put it at least in my top three at the very least, but yeah, it's definitely up there for sure. Uh, The top comment comes from need for speed. 5353 who says the rain sucks, but we wouldn't have got such a great race without it. Yeah. That's kind of what I said. Possibly true. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Uh, I like I like this one because I always love when fans know their bias but are are still object objective with it too, um, even if they they like it or don't like it. Uh, so underqualified sports says as a Byron fan I'm so torn on this one. Such an amazing race, but I hate the way it ended. But I can't complain if the 24 wins. So I, I like I Fair love enough. when fans are like that. That that is an awesome take because be happy your driver won. Yeah. Um, yeah. X underscore seven T Y seven underscore X. I swear this, there's a payoff to this it says anytime JJ Yaley's in the top 10 means it's a great race. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like, there's someone just being cause biased because they're so rare. It's so rare. He gets it. Yeah. Top it's fun. Uh, let's see. Twister 1296 says I was slightly disappointed that it ended early, but this was the best race under the new configuration for Atlanta. It was an incredible race. I just put a poll asking our viewers the same thing, and our live viewers agree. 91% say this was the best new Atlanta race of the four so far. Uh, Andrew Meyer leaves his race rankings. He has this as the third best race of the year, only behind second place Coke 600 
and first place the Kansas race. It's fair. Yeah. Okay. Uh, which I got to say, being at the Kansas race, like I'm going to be pretty biased. That that was freaking awesome. So that's pretty good company to be in because I like the 600 too. Uh, JT Soul seventy five sixty five says my first rain shortened race in person had to happen eventually. Amazing racing. Never had that much fun at a race. Three people I was with have never seen a race before, and they loved it. Nice. That's good. Love oh, to hear that's that. Cool. It's good. See, my first rain race was my first race, uh, 2006 3M Performance 400 at Michigan. Uh, and that was an awesome race, too, which I think the rain probably made that urgency factor, too. So, again, I love rain racing. I just don't like rain finishes. Uh, finishes, yes. Yeah. Like I, I love when there's rain in in the vicinity because it's like you have twenty to go feeling all race. Uh, let's see. A lot of people saying best plate race in a long time, best rain shortened race. NBC knocked it out of the park. Is it oh, safe yeah. to say that this was what NASCAR hoped the five fifty package would race like oh, consistently? Yeah. yeah, I think so. Yeah, that yeah. was what it was meant to do. Uh, <laughs> FBI says the people who voted bad are probably F1 fans. <laughs> Dang. No, the Netflix series. The fans. salt is so damn, like, bitter between the two. I love it. Yeah. Uh, Ice Car says McDowell is happy for rain. I swear it's not my burner. <laughs> um, Deers- He literally was, though. I've never seen someone so happy to finish, like, fourth or wherever he finished yeah. but he was honestly like stoked because well, he was about to run out of gas yeah. well also wasn't he told to afterwards like hey you're barely in the playoffs now i mean Probably, i have yeah. to boost that but i have to yeah. boost your spirits too i bet uh let's see i'm trying to get like further down <laughs> this one will make you laugh eric uh based on the joke we had when you were up bean craft says only available at walmart <laughs> oh gosh yeah the fucking title uh, why they had that Let's Waker see. State 400 available at Walmart. <laughs> yeah, I know. What a terrible race name. <laughs> it's so bad. Uh, a lot of stuff about J.J. Yaley. Uh, cool. Respect. Race, race <laughs> e- this is from Nate Rodriguez. Race equals great. Finish equals ass. Atlanta yeah. Super I mean, Speedway? Uh, let's see. Okay, we got to the, the gutter comments. So let's see what we got. Uh, I'm making. I'm reading through, making sure that I can read them without getting the stream nuked from the internet. Uh, I think I can. All right. Uh, the third lowest was Crazy Creeper, who said, "I did not watch." Okay. 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 Oh God, I've had so many like these, like you know. Old I don't get fans that. Who were like, I didn't watch it. It was yeah, terrible. Not, not watching. Like, like okay, up. we don't care. Nobody asked. Uh. Garbage plate says Willie boring. Oh. <laughs> Did you say Willie boring? Willie boring, like yeah, William boring. I, I respect the pun at least. I see what you did there. Yeah. Uh, and then DJ Midnight says another sports entertainment bore fest. Folks, lock in your 2024 tickets ASAP and enjoy it while it lasts, because 2024 will be the last year you'll see NASCAR as you know it. Then he says, "Long live IndyCar." Oh <laughs> my god. Is this David Lance Burner? Oh <laughs> <God. laughs> somebody underneath put fake news. 
Oh my God. <laughs> he said he said by 20, it's not gonna tell, exist. Tell oh. me you're trolling about telling me you're trolling. Yeah. Hey, I, I will admit though, that. IndyCar, the season, the IndyCar season's been fun though. To watch I do appreciate season. the IndyCar support at the end. I think that just kind of is the icing <laughs> yeah. on the cake. That's that funny. Was, that was pretty I, funny. I, at, at least he didn't try to say F1 was better. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah there, there's a, there's a, a limit of belief here. <laughs> uh God, I swear to God, I'm not an F1 hater. It's just not my thing. Uh, yeah. But that's the point. We're on a roll right now. Lean into it. <laughs> Netflix. Hey. Our ratings were down four percent. I think F ones were down six this week. So <laughs> we're less sucky. Yeah. Is that it? Is that, that it for that's the poll? It, that's it. And that'll conclude this edition of the famous iceberg poll on the NASCAR Weekly Podcast. Uh, we typically do our first super chat stage break at the top of the hour. We have a couple minutes. Uh, let's blow through the Xfinity race because, uh, guys, this. This race just finished just frustrated me. I picked Justin Haley to win. Great super speedway racer. He's won four Xfinity races at plate tracks. Running this one is kind of a one-off. And, uh, you know, guy got screwed by his teammate Chandler Smith and others running out of gas. Can't help that. But on the last lap, he pulled out a line rather than mm-hmm. push his teammate uh, yeah. Daniel Hemrick to the win. Hemrick, a full-time colleague driver, needs that win to qualify, needs those playoff points. And Haley, after the race, uh, said that he felt, you know, the car stumble, like it was running out of gas. That's why he pulled out a line and turned left. I like Justin Haley. I don't believe that for I a second. I don't believe it either. Yeah. Uh, but what do you guys make of the finish? Because at the end of the day, it was John Hunter Nemechek uh, swooping in to win the Xfinity race. What do you think, Jarrett? Uh, that whole last run irked me. And yeah. it was for the reason that, and, and I'm not saying this because I picked him. I'm saying this just as an objective fan here. I know Austin Hill had the best car out there. He did. He, he did. He was the fastest out there. But when you have three colleague cars up there, I, I was like, Danny, I was walking away almost. <laughs> like, I, when you have three colleague cars up there, all working together, doing their colleague thing, you got to work together to get by. And every time Austin Hill tried to start something, even if he gave someone the option to get down in front, they left him out to dry. And it was like, it would take colleague having a catastrophic failure or just losing in the dumbest way, which we, we saw in both to, for them to lose that race. And, and that just, that was the part that irked me about is you, there were so many opportunities for them to all just bust that whole thing wide open. And they didn't. Sorry guys. My internet was sputtering. I had to step away. <laughs> I don't believe that first. I don't believe that's funny. I just but, asked the chat, uh, worst super speedway choke, colleague at Atlanta or junior motorsports I, at Daytona to start the year? I would say junior motorsports because, like, a lot of, I mean, they all pretty much crashed. To be fair, there was four of them in that case instead of yeah. also opposed to three, yeah. But, yeah, I don't believe Justin Haley for a second. I mean, yeah, while it might have been maybe sputtering maybe a little towards the end, maybe coming off of three or four, like, dude, like, come on, you had a whole lap, you could have just pushed him there, and if it was really sputtering, then, okay, you pushed him and then just – get out of the way and stuff once he you know it takes a lead or whatever but i don't know i don't know man like you, after the race too you could just see um him and hemrick like they were standing beside each other haley's just smiling like oh gosh we were so close and then and then uh, daniel hemrick's just like mm-hmm. you know <laughs> one of those types of looks so like uh, he wants to say something but you know he's like no nah, you know what this is still my teammate at the end of the day so you know gotta play the long hemrick game. the condescending hemrick glare yeah uh 77 of our chat says yes junior motorsports is choke at daytona was worse my, my joke aside my thought was justin go until you run out of gas don't give me that crap yeah, yeah. 
that's what made, that yeah. made it worse that made it worse was like the lying part of it it's like if you would have just made like yeah look that wasn't it's, smart it's like okay it's not but. that you made the mistake it's that you lied about it yeah <laughs> you made it even worse basically yeah yeah um we'll talk trucks in a moment i don't this think we have too really much to say about trucks let's just okay we'll just get through nothing. it i mean court Corey Heim, baby. It's time time. I'm time. Nah, that was, bro, that was crazy. That was like one of the funniest truck races I've ever seen. Okay, the funniest part was when right before, and we're about to get racing, and there's there's cars spinning in the corners, and you just see people running 20 miles an hour spinning out, and I'm like, well, damn. Like, I I could do that a couple laps and then pull it in the garage. Everybody, (laughs) everybody was out of, was just all over the place, man. Since I didn't get a chance to watch either, what, what was crazier, the Arca race or the truck race? Oh, the truck race, the truck race. Easily. The Arca the finish was crazy, but yeah, yeah the Ar- trucks were. I'll be right. The Arca race, other than I, the the finish is going to overshadow. The Arca race was not that bad. Like I no, also no, thought Arca the Arca race was the best race there. Yeah, until no, we got different. some typical Arca shenanigans. Before then, it was mm-hmm. fine. Yeah, uh, I felt uh, a little change in the air. I know up in northern Illinois, uh, near your family, Jared, they've been dealing with some severe weather tonight. I think it's trickled down here to the to the podcast. What time is it, Darren? And it's the lightning round on the NASCAR weekly podcast. Jared, what do we have on tap for tonight? Uh, we got a little bit, a lot of interesting stuff. Uh, starting out with Ty Majeski, I believe it was, won the Slinger Nationals last night. Oh. I watched that race. Luke Fenhouse, who won a couple of years ago, was in that SRX race. He, uh, he dominated. Uh, Majeski was kind of closing late, but had no chance of getting to him until a, a guy wrecked with four to go and it mm-hmm. set up a final restart. Majeski one felt bad for my boy. Matt Kenseth was really good in qualifying for once, but uh, in the first half, I don't know, something broke on the car, so he didn't finish. Um, but his eight slinger national titles will still probably never be touched, at least for a long, long time. I can live with that. Darn. <laughs> uh, Sheldon Creed will make his first cup start, uh, at Kansas driving the 78 lift fast car. That's good. Looks good. Yeah, it looks good. Yeah, it yeah. does. Uh, Corey LaJoy and Spire working on a multi-year contract extension, according to Jordan Bianchi. Yeah. Well-deserved. Yeah, I think so. I think it's interesting, though. Uh, if I read the uh, the full article, and in it, Bianchi mentions that there were some you know, bigger teams that had inquired about LaJoy potentially driving for them. So I don't know what teams mm. those are. Don't know what wow. those deals, how friendly those deals actually were to LaJoy, but you know, it tells me that Corey LaJoy is very comfortable where he's at. I argued on my show that you know, maybe this is a nice way of saying he's not always great under pressure, but I think LaJoy is better playing from behind than with the lead potentially. I think he's, he fits that lovable underdog role better than a lot of others do. Yeah. Some drivers are like that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, we, we mentioned it earlier, but Sean is a Higurani, I believe, right? I think it's Hinger. Hey, is, is there hey, an no, end in there? Hing, it's Hing, Hing, Hingurani. Yes. Right, there's yeah, an end like in that. It. Yes. Uh, well, he's been suspended in one ARCA race for reckless driving, which the reckless driving rule, if I'm not mistaken, at ARCA is much more detailed than NASCAR's. Mm-hmm. Like, I actually kind of prefer it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It like specifically mentions waiting on somebody but, or, you yeah. know, like wrecking somebody when you're not racing for position. Like, it's a little more mm-hmm. specific. Look, um, he's, on, but, he's yeah. only, he's only 16. You learn from it, but he's lucky he wasn't fired. Just saying. We don't know. Well, I, he's only running a part time schedule. I guess we don't know <laughs> when, when his next yeah, race. Maybe, will be. maybe he might cut the races. Better know. get ready to sell houses, buddy. <laughs> get ready uh, to actually attend a state college, kid. <laughs> uh, Ross Jastain and Bush Beer have finally announced their partnership that everyone knew was coming. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Just another yeah. blow to SHR. 
Uh, and yeah. then a little promotion piece here. So we uh, we announced it. Well, we ha- we've had it now announced on Twitter. It's been on the bottom line a couple weeks. Uh, but we'll be having our third annual NWP 400 on Tuesday, August 22nd on IDK Players Channel. Uh, this year's a little different. Gen 6 package, Gen 6 Super Speedway package at Daytona. Uh, I'll be in the booth. Darian will be driving as long as he can make it through the duels and LCQ. Uh, maybe be an in-race reporter, and then Eric and Danny will be in the chat chatting it up. So we're gonna we'll be all in this year. It'll be a lot of mm-hmm. fun. Uh, I believe IDK player on his Twitter and I believe his YouTube community tab uh, has the sign up sheet ready. So for anyone who wants to sign up, go for it. If anyone wants to watch, uh, which I assume all of you do, mark your calendars because it's gonna be you fun. should. It's always fun, man. If you if you watch NR Night in America, you know what's coming. You already know yeah, what's coming. Yeah, IDK fun. knows how to put on a good show. You know what it is. But yeah, that's the lightning round. And that'll do it for this edition of the famous lightning round on the NASCAR Weekly Podcast. And now, back to the show. Coming up in a few minutes, uh, we're going to uh, talk about the next five drivers on our top 75 driver list. It's a list that the four of us all voted on collectively, as well as you all in the chat. We had dozens of submissions. We're down into the uh, the front half. What am I trying to say? We've made it through the first half. We're getting into the into the true legends of NASCAR. Uh, we'll get to that in just a moment. But first, Jared, I saw you did a video on this uh, yesterday or the day before, earlier this week, talking about many of the uh, schedule rumors. You know, it's already July, and the 2024 NASCAR schedule isn't out yet. I think maybe August, potentially even early September, it'll be released. Um, but there are a lot of very juicy rumors out there. The latest and perhaps the juiciest of the rumors is that uh, according to Bob Pachris, industry members, NASCAR industry members, are being told to have passports ready to travel to Canada next year. So the Cup Series may be heading to Montreal. That's the expected venue. Um, what do you all think about that rumor? First off, uh, Darian, uh, the Xfinity ra- Series race there uh, in 2012 last, I believe. Uh, F1, I think, still races there. Mm-hmm. But the Cup Series might be heading north of the border. How do you feel about that? Oh, it's perfect. This will be one of the best uh, road courses on the schedule. And I'm mm. not exaggerating. I mean, if, for those who grew up in the era when Nationwide raced there, Oh my gosh, because they would usually race there during an off weekend, if I'm not mistaken. That and it, it would Watkins be Glenn, I Yeah. Yeah. yeah I mm-hmm. I believe the 2010 one with Borisette and Max Pappas, that might have been an off weekend, or maybe they might have cut might have raced the Saturday night somewhere. I, I don't remember, but I do remember that finish and the and the spectacular racing we saw there. Oh, it's awesome. And we're breaking into a, a whole nother market in a whole nother country. It's a no-brainer. It's a no-brainer, man. I mean, I feel like if NASCAR is going to start going international, let's, you know, I feel like this is, you know, taking baby steps first. Let's yeah. keep it in North America first, whether it's, you know, in Mexico City or Montreal. I think Montreal is a good starting point. And then if you ever want to expand to like Europe and stuff, then, you know, then, you know, you can do that. But no, for now, let's just keep it simple. Keep it in North America. And yeah. Oh, Canada. <laughs> That was pretty good. I I don't know about you guys, but I know when I look at my analytics, uh, there's a sizable, again, it's not as big as the United States, but there's a sizable amount of people that watch from Canada. It's usually number two for me. I'm going to look up mine really quick. Yeah, Yeah. now you got me curious. It's definitely number two, but I want to see what percentage of my viewers come from Canada. Yeah, Yeah, I know for me, it's like some, it's always between five and 10, which is, doesn't seem very big, but it's still, when you compare it to the rest of the world outside of the United States is, is huge. And, 
I think there's a good amount of Canadian fans who deserve to have that race up there. I would choose Montreal. I've heard, at least through the rumor mills, most people saying it'll happen. I've heard some saying that it might be like, a, a, well, it's a maybe now. Um, I guess stuff can change, but I'm, I would be really excited for this. And it would also give me a good excuse to finally get my passport. Mm-hmm. So I guess so really quick, um, 75% of my audience is from the United States. Um, 4.8 are from Canada, but then 4.6 are from the United Kingdom. So it's pretty close. Pretty close. Wow. 4.6% of mine are from, uh, or do you say 4.8? Okay. Mine are 4.6% from Canada. I only have 1.3% of my viewership from the UK. I do, F- I do some F1 content too. So I guess say, that's, that's true. That's, that's, true. Yeah. that's where it that comes helps. from. <laughs> that box, box. <laughs> yeah, box, box, box. But yeah, no, this is awesome. This is awesome. But Danny, did you say anything yet? I'm actually pulling mine up because I'm just curious now, but don't let me hold you up. 92% oh, oh, of okay, our okay. chat uh, says yes, they do want to see mm. Montreal added. To the co- I guess that was, a, oh, I, I should have, I didn't even need to pull that. I knew they were going to be enthusiastic. <laughs> okay. I think I might um, win the Canadian base here. I got 7.4% from Canada, 2% yeah, from Australia, 1.7% huh? from New Zealand, and one2 from the UK. I think we're uh, we all kind of see those common names. I'm four point two for Canada, one for United Kingdom, zero point nine for Australia, zero point two for New Zealand. Dang, that's fascinating. So what we're saying yeah. is, if you're outside the U.S., we see you and we appreciate you. Yes, and yeah. and you you obviously see us. <laughs> we appreciate you. Yeah. yeah. Uh, another we appreciate the Australians for putting up a Tennessee accent. I don't know how you do it. <laughs> Another uh, couple of rumors that I find particularly interesting, I, I joked a little bit about Texas earlier, but it is very real. We've heard Steve Myers of iRacing admit that they are working with SMI on a potential reconfiguration of Texas Motor Speedway. Um, I I mean, they, I feel like they have to do something. I, but at the same time, I don't know. IndyCar's put on a pretty good race there the last yeah. couple of years. But I, I think they need to, like Jared said, go back to just the classic 24 degrees of banking on both ends. Um, whatever they do, it's probably going to stay about a mile and a half with how big the suites and grandstands are. But I'd love to see them change something about Texas. The bigger rumor that uh, has been tossed around in recent months um, that I want to talk about is the Brickyard 400 potentially returning not exactly sure what slot on the schedule maybe it just takes that august date that the road course race has now but uh gentlemen how would y'all feel about the brickyard 400 making its return if if that in fact happens next year i'm curious like i i'm i personally mm. thought the pocono wasn't very bad with the next gen i thought the last couple pocono races actually haven't been that bad uh but I know it would help with the ratings, at least the first year. There's been a lot of people that would want it back. If you look historically, pre-COVID, uh, when it's run on time, Brickyard 400 is one of the most watched races. I mean, we talked about it, uh, 2017. Uh, that was the last time there was an audience on NBC when you add in the streaming uh, that was bigger than the Chicago Street Race one. So I think it would be a net positive for the sport. I, I'm, ten, you know, I'm very hesitant with it because... The racing's bad. You know that people say the same thing, but I, I mean, we tried the Indy road course. The last two years have been kind of a cluster to say the least, uh, especially the finishes. So it wouldn't hurt to try it. I mean, we, we're pretty much, I think when it comes to attendance and viewership, we're kind of with Indy at rock bottom. Anything to try is worth it. And if the racing's really good and you bring back a crown jewel, you get a big win out of it. 
Oh, how the tables have turned or really how the times have changed. We were talking about, you know, like I believe season one of the podcast, man, get the brick gear off. Get this track off. <laughs> hey, the we schedule. were justified. I think, yeah, at the time. it was bad. But then we got a um uh we got a look at the uh indie road course. And I can confirm this right now. Even IndyCar fans despise the indie road course. They can't stand it. <laughs> and for NASCAR fans, it's not that the races are boring, they're usually a joke. I mean, we were at the first race there, and I mean, for the most part, it was good. But then towards the end, oh my gosh! I'm glad so we were all there together because that was a lot of fun, just laughing at all that. Yeah, together. just laughing <laughs> yeah, at true. stuff too. But you have to remember too, this is the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. We're supposed to be, you know, we're supposed to be. Um, it's uh, it's it's uh, one of, if not the most famous uh, speedway in the world. So you know, I I I get I I get where the drivers were coming from now. You know, just racing on the oval is so prestigious. It's so it's obviously way different than the road course. But then also, drivers are able to control their own destiny a lot more compared to um uh, compared to the road courses. Um, because you know, like you're just gonna get ran over on these restarts and stuff. Usually, it feels like so. I, I think this is the perfect time to go back to the uh, to the Brickyard 400, you know, bring back a tradition. And I don't know where it would be on the schedule. I would assume still maybe sometime during the summer. Maybe or, July, the space yeah. out from Daytona. Because I, I wouldn't think it would be before the Indy 500. No way. No, no. way it'd be before Indy. No. Mm-mm. After yeah. it. I'd like to see it. Our chat also agrees almost unanimously. They like to see the return of the Brickyard 400. What will be interesting to see is if they end up like alternating. That was sort of a rumor floated around that one year is Brickyard, next year is Indy Road. One year, I do like that they double up with IndyCar. And this year in the Indy in the uh, in the uh, Indy Road Course race, is that the one that Kamui Kobayashi is doing in 2311 yes. equipment? And uh, what's the latest rumor? Um, oh my gosh, the Supercars driver. Uh, that is, uh, there's another uh, Australian driver that's oh, expected to run. Yeah. Uh, Bro, it's Brody. I don't watch supercars. Brody something. I forget his last name. Um, but uh, he, it sounds like, is going to make a cup start as well there. Um, well, so Australia going to try to go two for two this year. This one, I'm. I always say this rumor. I'm the most bullish on just because I I know, you know, we all have a few people we know in each garage area, and I know one of the big rumors is that IndyCar is going to pull out of the double header in this basically third race at Indianapolis uh, to make room for Milwaukee. Uh, and it would be fitting if it came back in 2024, because that I believe is the 30 year anniversary of the first Brickyard 400 back in 1994. Uh, so I, they, I can already see the marketing for it. Like personally. Yeah, I think, I think so too. Um, one other interesting schedule rumor. I haven't heard too much about on this front, but it's always possible. There's a lot of movement around Rockingham Speedway. It spent a lot of money repaving the racetrack, uh, adding safer barriers most of the way around. I did a video there a couple months ago where I got to visit and check out some of the recent updates. Uh, But with North Wilkesboro's return, there's talks of that becoming a points race and potentially Rockingham could be an all-star race next year. Could be some sort of exhibition. Could be something. Uh, I think fans would absolutely find that interesting. I've seen in the chat. Do you smell what the rock is cooking? The rock rock. Yeah. They, they love rock Rockingham. It does have a great name. Uh, and it, it wasn't until recently I realized that Rockingham Speedway was never its official name. Uh, it was always North Carolina Speedway. Or North Carolina. <laughs> oh, yeah. I always thought like, Oh, Rockingham had to at least at some point become the official name. No, it's always been a nickname per my understanding. Um, also some talk that Sonoma could join the West coast swing. We've always talked about what if they ran Sonoma in the spring when it's a little more green, a little grassy out there. Um, some, some interesting so, potential schedule changes. Yeah, the the sure. interesting rumor I had seen 
And because I I know that I believe it was Bianchi had been the first to talk about this is that North Wilkesboro being moved to Easter would mean that there would only be there wouldn't even even be a spring Bristol date. There'd just be one Bristol date on the schedule. And yeah. I'm and I'm fine up to that because I've been saying for a little bit that Bristol only needs one one date. Yeah, yeah, I agree with that. I mean, well, I, I don't know if Norfolk throw is safe to keep it because I I still think Nashville makes the most sense in the long term. I just the I problem agree. with Nashville is that they've moved back, I believe, the vote forward until there yeah. might be a new mayor. Which if we're just stuck with this stupid bureaucracy forever, I mean, it's just gonna. It, it feels like this keeps getting locked up. At least we have a track, so. Yeah, we, they didn't tear it down to only make it four F1 tracks around here. Yeah. <laughs> but now I I would like Sonoma just because of, of the aesthetic alone to be in the spring. I would you know probably prefer it not to be the second race because historically Sonoma and road courses in general don't do well TV-wise, whereas a track like Las Vegas would. Uh, but I, I'd be fine if that was if it was like end of the West Coast swing, mm-hmm. And then right after we go to Sonoma, we go to Coda. We have our little road course spring uh, two-week span. Or maybe they go to Atlanta. I don't know. They can they can always switch little stuff up. What I'm curious of is if the Bristol race is taken off, then and, and then there's, you know, there might be rumors of, of one or other race, maybe one big race being added or something else. Like, there is still an open race unless you use – the auto club date for Montreal, how, how they work that out. Like, is that, is that something, you know, is it something especially Rockingham wise too, where Rockingham is leased out by SMI. So they don't lose a date with the all-star race. How does Montreal work? Is that an ISC project again? And does that work with Fox to be their big date? Whereas Chicago is NBC's that's, that's where I'm curious where the placement of all of this will be. I think Jarrett would like my idea because I'm not sold that Chicago will happen again, mainly because of what the mayor feels like there. I feel like we should look at Montreal as the backup for Chicago instead. And if we're going to get rid of Auto Club, bring in Chicago land to give me a similar track. I'd say, because I'd say NASCAR needs to go forward with Chicago happening until it doesn't. They have that backup track in the market. I wouldn't want to leave it like because I think at the moment, I think if they stay in Chicago long term, I think the market can handle for one year having two races. But I, I just don't think yet only being a one off, the Chicago market could handle the the possibility of two races happening yet. Um, plus, I w- I would really want Montreal just to be like locked in from the start. Uh, and not just be the lone big street race because isn't aren't they saying technically it is a street race? I thought mm-hmm. I saw some people saying technically so. it uses some past some some regular roads I'm, I'm on the court. I'm not that because it, it does not. If you look at that track and you're like that, oh, that's totally a street race. No, no one's no, saying that. No, I didn't. That. I didn't even know it was technically a street course. I, guess, I, I would as much as I want Chicago Land to come back. I think the healthiest thing for the sport is one more year in Chicago. Uh and having Chicagoland as that backup plan. So you're insured no matter what, there will be a race in that market. Because from what I've heard, they're not leaving that market long term. Like they, they, they need to be I just in don't Chicago. think you can. Well, I think they've yeah. opened offices in Chicago, if I'm not wrong. I might be. Oh. Might have been for that race um, in particular. But yeah, I think mm-hmm. you're right. So 
and I'm just I wanted to come already. I hate waiting until like August and September every year. Remember See, that year was yeah. like in April. That yeah. was awesome. And and you know I saw a funny tweet yesterday about the schedule thing. Um, our buddy Elijah Burke's about to get married, and his uh soon and his uh, soon wife to be uh, had uh, tweeted about planning the wedding and how hard it is because you know got a bunch of industry people and stuff that'll uh, that'll be coming. Uh, but the uh, schedule hasn't released yet, so it's like she doesn't know what to do. <laughs> the hard, the hard part is okay. She works for a lot now. She goes to some races, not all of them. He goes to most races, but still not all of them. But they want to invite a lot of people that are in the sport, and mm-hmm. really, they're looking at one weekend or the winter. Yeah, I mean that's shoot, tough. I, I I'm you know off of even that. I mean, we you guys, especially all of you that are in the the Hendersonville group have seen firsthand where it's like I, when NASCAR's on, I'm locked in like whether it's Friday through Sunday, Saturday through Sunday, Saturday through sometimes Wednesday, like we saw at Texas a couple of years back. Like it's just, it's, it's so time consuming for anyone working in or around the industry. I just, I wish that I wish there was like a set date, like like the NFL has where it's like around this two week span, you know, it's out there and I know it's different. I know it's not, it's apples to, I don't know, steak, uh, it's not a comparison, I, but I just I do wish there was that structure with it. Um, but that that's the price I, I would say. This is the price to pay for having a really good, diverse, and changing schedule every year. Yeah, this the is longer what we, we have to wait. In- yeah, the longer we have to wait, the more it means. The more they're cooking, they're cooking up something yeah. pretty pretty wild. They better be. <laughs> this is this yeah. is what we were begging for back in like 2018. Like, hey, let's change the schedule. We're finally getting it. There we go. Uh, but that's, I think that's a good place to end uh, that conversation. Uh, I think next up, gentlemen, we've got to continue our top 75 drivers of all time. We're halfway we've, there. We've halfway kept the fans there. waiting long enough. We're actually just past halfway just tonight. Past halfway. Tonight we're breaking down numbers 35 through 31. Jarrett, do you have the slides ready? Yes, sir. We'll start with number 35. Again, this was voted on collectively by the four of us and you all, um, Fred Lorenzen. 1965 Daytona 500 winner, also a two-time World 600 winner, uh, 26 career wins. Never quite won a NASCAR Cup Series championship, but Fred Lorenzen is uh, our number 35 driver. Uh, I don't know. It hasn't shown up for me yet. There it is. All right, there it is. Jarrett, explain yourself. You had him all the way up at 22. The rest of us kind of in the mid-30s for the most part, but 22, you had, you're high on Fred Lorenzen. Explain. I'll admit I embellished a little bit, but if I'm not wrong uh i i still would probably put him higher than any of you guys did but if i'm not wrong i do have to also be there uh supporting a fellow illinois guy and i i believe he yes elmhurst illinois uh is where, where he's is from. that uh illinois okay <laughs> there, it, it's a big state <laughs> it, it very much is uh but i i think he's one of the more underrated drivers and i th- I think for his time people don't appreciate him because of, of the names that have overshadowed him that he raced against uh and and when you look at at what we talked about in the 60s uh especially you know racing against guys like richard petty with factory support and, and other major drivers who were were just coming up who would start to dominate too uh, I think Fred Lorenzen is another one, and, and it, it's a theme, I think, of about 30th on back on this list of one of the greatest drivers of all time who race against the greatest drivers of all time. Good uh, point. So I will defend Fred Lorenzen. Is 22nd embellishing it? Sure, I'll give you that, but I still think top 30 
easily is where he should be rated. Uh, I think he is he's someone that's almost forgotten by fans a lot now. He is a NASCAR Hall of Famer, I believe. I don't remember when he was inducted, but uh, what I what stood out to me was he won those twenty six races in only one hundred and fifty eight Cup starts, technically. So that's we talk about ratios. That's a good ratio, especially like you're saying, Jarek, going up against some of the the all time greats with the absolute best equipment. He's no doubt one of the all time greats, but I, I mean, here's one of the flaws with his career. Um, it's been well documented. He wasn't the most dedicated guy at times. There's one story, I think it was before either his 1965 Daytona 500 win or one of the Daytona 500s. The dude just straight up partied all night. I think he only got two or three hours of sleep, shows up to the track, and it's just extremely competitive. He could just get in a car and just wheel it. Natural ability, whether he prepared or not. So, I mean, yes, on paper, 26 wins and 158 starts was high third points former Daytona 500 and World 600 winner. But just imagine if you were just, you know, if you were more dedicated, how you know how how much greater he could have been so it go. says a lot that he that he um he uh, got a lot done in uh, such a uh, short uh, period of time well he he got the bag a bit in his career uh, one of his achievements that we didn't have on here again this isn't something really that says statistically how good a driver was but uh he was the first driver to surpass $100,000 in season winnings he got 122,000 hmm. in 1963 oh. um and so <laughs> he might not have he might not put put in the effort forth according to a lot of stories, but man, he he did get that bag back then. I, yeah. I, I'm a, well, you guys keep going. I'm gonna do the inflation calculator and see how much that would be in today's hmm. money. Yeah. So he's I, basically James Harden as a Houstonian. I, I actually appreciate so, that analogy, Brandon. So I <laughs> I just looked this up on the NASCAR Hall of Fame. There's this like article. It says Fred Lorenzen, uh, the hundred the the one hundred thousand dollar man, and then he was also nicknamed the Golden Boy and stuff. Uh, also Fearless Freddy as well. Fast so yeah, I mean that's good nicknames. Yeah, Fast yeah. Freddy. That says it all, right? By there. the way, uh, that is one point two mil in today's Ooh, money. It's not I mean, bad. Basically, yeah. like you know, one point two mil, but from one hundred twenty, basically like times tenant. I want to say uh, uh-huh. on everything. So. Be like the equivalent of the first driver to make a million dollars in today's money. Hey, you can say you can question his work ethic and stuff, but at the end of the day, though, he did it his own way, and he still got in the Hall of Fame, and he's one of the greatest. So, hey, you know, he did it his own way. I don't think he would change a thing. So, props to him. Well, I think we can move on then to the next driver on our list. These next four are all a lot more modern. I think a lot of our viewers, including the four of us, uh, have seen these drivers race firsthand for many years. Number 34 on our list is cousin carl edwards uh coke 600 winner southern 500 winner never quite got that daytona 500 win or uh, a nascar cup series championship of course but he did tie with tony stewart in 2011 he was runner-up in 2008 he was in the championship four with a great shot to win it in 2016 28 time winner uh including nine wins in 2008 his strongest uh probably his strongest year i mean i guess you could argue dear he tied for the championship but uh nine wins is tough to beat uh, Carl Edwards, gentlemen, uh, he is nominated. He's a, what's the word? He is a contender. He's, he's a nominee, nominee to make the hall of fame. Yeah. He hasn't been inducted in. I think if he ever does make it to the hall of fame, it'll be a few years from now, but, uh, Carl Edwards, what do y'all think? I went first last time. <laughs> I didn't look at, I didn't see where we all ranked him. Who, who do I need to put on the spot? I, uh, I, oh, I, I ranked him 40 Darian. first. Darian, yeah, you had him first. significantly lower than the rest of us. Defend yourself. Uh, you know, it just, I felt like, you know, left before his time, he obviously accomplished a lot, but I mean, there were some guys that I had ahead of him that I don't know. I just thought, you know, just had, you know, just 
you know, better career overall and stuff for the most part, maybe did just a little bit more for the sport outside of it as well. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, I still got him at least in the top 50 though. I mean, he's no question a hall of famer for sure. And you know, he's 34th, Mm. like, I don't know. I think 34th is right around. I I think that's right. I I feel like 30th through 35th is uh, where Edwards needs to be. So I think we can question it. Do y'all think he's a hall of famer? Yeah, totally. He's he's a hall of famer. Yeah. It's a hall of famer. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I think so, but I'm not that definitive on it. I mean, yeah, uh, he wants a marquee races. The hall of fame, I think does look at more than just uh, on track product. So I guess you could Mm -hmm. say, Walking away from the sport might hurt his his you know promise for it. Uh, but I'm looking at Carl. Edwards. He he had won. He didn't have any truck champion. He he had one Xfinity championship, mm-hmm. right? And it was after he was already full time in Cup. Yes. Um. Yeah. I mean, like, okay, he did. He won it. Good job. But I mean, when you, when you look at his career, I I think his career is I would say just behind Junior Johnson and Mark Martin for the best ever to never win a championship. Uh, you we talked about he you know well, Hamlin yeah uh, okay well Hamlin's still going yeah. I don't want to count him just yet. yeah that's true um, but I mean he he 2015 he went trophy hunting for Crown Jewel races you know we have him second in points in 08 and 11 as well as final four in 2016 he tied for second in points his first full time season uh, only true. being beat out by Tony Stewart absolutely uh, and then tied with Greg Biffle in his best season ever. Uh, and he qualified for the chaser playoffs 10 times. Like there, I, there is no doubt to me. He is a hall of famer. It'll be interesting to see when he gets in uh, because Jimmy and Chad are on the ballot next year. And so I think that's an, at least one more year. Edwards yeah. will have to wait. So uh, we'll see. But, I, think, but, I think there's a good chance. Put it like this. Everyone always gives credit to Kyle Bush for his 200 over 200 wins across all the series, across all the series. Carl Edwards has 72 wins. 28 being in the Cup Series, 38 in the Xfinity Series. Uh, in the Xfinity Series, outside of his uh, 2002 and 2004, where he only had one start, he won at least one race every year from 2005 until 2012. And uh, Well, 2012, he only ran one race, and he won it. Uh, and in 2011, out of the 33 races he made that year, he won eight of those starts in the Xfinity Series um, and then even some impressive runs like 08, he won nine races in the cup series. He had a lot of good seasons across all the series. So and if I'm not mistaken, 2005, I believe, um, his first career Xfinity and cup wins, um, not only, um, did they come in the same weekend, but I believe he's the, um, he's the only driver in NASCAR history to score two first career wins in the same weekend to, to sweep a weekend. Well, and and first, have it being their first career wins. That, That's pretty cool. That first career cup win, um, just yeah. to compare with everybody else, that first career cup win, mm. he beat – people always remember he beat Jimmy Johnson. He also beat Greg Biffle, who I believe had been the other driver to dominate that race. Yeah, it was it was and, Johnson and Biffle. Yeah. Well, and, and if you remember on the broadcast, they were talking about, like, just tell him to lay back. Third is good. Like, Don't hold up your teammate going for a win. And he went up and beat – Probably the the fast I'd say the fastest driver at mile and a half that year, and one of the greatest ever in Jimmy Johnson. So, yeah, he, he's no question a Hall of Famer. He's no question a Hall of Famer. Vote him in over. Does yeah. he get in over Jimmy next year? No, 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 
no, no, no. But, I'm, I don't know. I'm coming across such a Carl hater. <laughs> yeah. One one thing though to hurt Carl Edwards, you cannot play as him in NASCAR 07 and 08. Oh, oh yeah, that he should yeah. be ineligible just yeah. for that. <laughs> we couldn't play him. Oh man, but yeah, well, Edwards 34. That's a good spot. I think we can move uh, pretty quickly here to number 33. Uh, I don't think many people have heard of this guy, but we got to talk about some, him. Some, some rando. He is. Uh, somehow he got voted into the NASCAR Hall of Fame. I must have missed this. Uh, but Dale Earnhardt, is that how you pronounce it? Junior. Uh, apparently there's two of them. I didn't know there were two of them. Who? Joan Bug. Dale Earnhardt Jr. is number 33 on our list. Uh, I mean, where do we start? Two-time Daytona 500 champion. Uh, he won the all-star race his rookie year, the first driver to ever do that. Has anyone – who's done that since him? Uh, I'm not sure if anyone has. Uh, for the all-star race, I believe Ryan yeah. Newman did. Oh, no, Newman. 2002. 2002. Yep, you're right. Yeah. I was just he, after. He beat Dale Earnhardt Jr. to do that. That's right. <laughs> uh, um, let's see. He uh, Obviously, you know, Pied Piper, Daytona, and Talladega. He won four races in a row at Talladega. Um, he never won a championship, but he finished inside the top five in points four different times. I know we have, I'm outnumbered here. We've got three Dale Jr. fans on the panel. So you guys take it away. Dale Jr. How, how did I vote him the highest, even more than Jarrett, who is a bigger fan than me? Well, hey, I voted, I, um, I voted, I had him the lowest. I had him the lowest though, too. Well, I mean, the thing with Dale Jr. is he had high peaks and low valleys. Mm-hmm. And that's something I like. I put I personally put Carl over him because I thought I thought that Carl Edwards had a very similar career with like four less years. Um, I know the thing with Junior when you look at his career is there's so many polarizing ways to look at it. Uh, you can look at to 04 and 2014 and and 2015. His late career resurgence I think is what got him in the top 40 personally. Uh, because that that span you and that's the other way you can look at it. His span from late '08 through to about the start of 2012 was for a Hendrick driver atrocious. I mean, I don't know if you guys uh, scoured the comment sections of NASCAR.com when they used to have it uh, back when that website was way more usable. Uh, they called him Dale Mears. He was he doing was, so he bad. was bad. Like, he was bad. Um, but I'm sorry. I I know I'm a homer on this one. But you look at the career he had and how he especially basically just pulled DEI uh, even when it was dying in 06 and 07 and had either cars that could win or you know was competing for a championship. Again, post-04 DEI was not a good team, and he somehow competed for a championship with that team. I think that alone should show his talent. Uh, and, and then just the, the late career resurgence. Those... I think those two things alone should show just how good he is, even if he did have those low, low, low moments. I look at it like this. The Lance grew years didn't count. <laughs> I asked the chat uh, who had the greater NASCAR career, Edwards or Dale Jr. Because like know. you, Jarrett, I had Edwards a couple spots ahead of Jr. But on our list, Jr. is ahead of Edwards. Chat is pretty yeah. even, but they're leaning Dale Jr. right now. Yeah, I mean, like when he was on the like in those in the uh, in the early two thousands, oh, he was on fifteen wins in five seasons. That's extremely rare. Now, obviously, if he would have kept up that pace, he'd be a lot higher on this list. But obviously, that didn't happen. Now, um, that late career resurgence too was very interesting. Uh, four wins. 2014 2015 gets three more um so that uh, that certainly helped just those two seasons alone there 
Um, but he was able to turn around his career towards the end. He's always been an amazing ambassador for the sport. Um, had a lot of expectations to live up to. And I mean, obviously he was never going to win no seven titles, 76 rate. That's too much to ask, but 26 wins, two Daytona 500s. And if we want to go outside of the cup series, a couple of Bush series championships, I mean, that's a, that's a pretty good career. Good we'll point. Say, he does he does a twice as many Bush championships as Edwards. Edwards yeah. we'll, we'll say this. If we're talking dollars, I bet Dell Jr. made more on percentage from merchandise sold Ooh. than Edwards made in race winnings and merchandise. Oh, yeah. Uh, he, he probably got, I mean, Jack Roush, I think, didn't pay super, wasn't known for like super high. Oh, contracts. yeah, super cheap. He might have paid cheap. Edwards, yeah. though. They might have paid Edwards pretty well. Yeah. I, I'll finish off my thoughts on this. I think still, even as good of a career as he had, uh, just because of how the start of his career went with losing his father, I still think Dale Jr. is one of the biggest what-ifs ever. Like I, I think a Dale Jr. with his father there to guide him in his early years yeah. and him not mm-hmm. to make as many dumb decisions both behind the scenes and off track. I mean, we, we read it on a stream together that, like, I don't know if he got arrested or he got pulled over or something for running, like, ATVs in the yard of some neighbor nearby him on a race week and then skipped a bunch of uh, of different things uh, sponsorship-wise and team-wise so that he could go to a Three Doors Down concert halfway across the country. I think I, – I, I just – I still think he's such a what-if. I'm not saying he's Dale Earnhardt. I'm not – I won't even say he'd have the career of Denny Hamlin. But I do think he like he's still a what-if that's really interesting to look into just because – there was never a dull moment to be a Dale Jr. fan. There was always no. something going on, whether it was the tragedy at the start, whether it was the turmoil of DEI, running bad at Hendrick, the resurgence, the concussions. Dale Jr., you could make a movie out of his career, uh, but seeing how the uh, whole ESPN deal did with him, I don't think you're going <laughs> to. Well, we're uh, not going to get a 30 for 30, no. <laughs> I'll end the poll. 54% of our live chat uh says junior had the greater nascar Mm. career it's close i think it's certainly close um but let's go ahead and move on to number 32 on our list my boy texas terry labani does he still hold the record for the most years the widest gap between uh championships because 1984 and 1996 he was your winston cup series champ uh 22 career wins which honestly i always forget how i mean 22 wins is very, very good. But considering he's a two-time champion, you know, only 22 wins in the more modern era of NASCAR feels a bit low. Um, but he's won the Southern 500 twice. Uh, and uh, he's, I mean, they didn't really have the playoffs during his era, but he finished inside the top 10 17 times. So if they did have the chase uh, or the playoffs, he was there every single year. Um, Terry Labonte, gentlemen, I think, uh, oh, Darian has him the highest. Oh, yes. 30. Yes, sir. And you know what? You were like, you, know, you had just made the comment. Damn, 22 wins for a two-time champion. That doesn't seem um that seems kind of odd. Not really in this era. It was all about consistency. You just said 10. Um, how many times he finished top 10 in points again? 17. Seventeen. 17. And not just for Hendrick Motorsports. He didn't drive for Hendrick Motorsports until way later in his career. You know, he took some of these other teams, um, you know, from the ground up and helped uh, build up their programs and stuff. 1984, uh, he drove the 44 car. I can't remember who the owner was, though for that team but i i believe after he left i don't think that team really accomplished a whole whole lot i don't think um but yeah i mean he was always consistent it didn't matter who he was driving for whether they were mediocre or one of the top powerhouses 
um he was always a he was always you know one of the uh contenders year by year and also too that 1996 championship one of the i mean obviously winning a championship's impressive no matter what but to beat a um a uh and and in his prime jeff gordon teamed up with ray everham they won 10 races that year terry only won two and he still ended up winning the championship his average finish his two championship years were was 8.2 which is pretty great also, one more fun fact, that 1984 championship, he overcame one of the biggest deficits. I believe it was like 400 plus points, I believe, but like with like 10 races to go or 15, something crazy like that. I remember reading in like the little history book. It was it was <laughs> unbelievable. He was so um, it was unbelievable that he was able to win that championship. Oh, and, and any other thoughts? Oh, the, 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 the interesting thing about his Southern 500 is 1980 and 2003 were when he won those. They were his first and last wins. Oh, that is a good fun fact. No, interesting. So, yeah, I think it both shows how impressive he was early in his career and how impressive he was late in his career. And uh, was he part of the 1979 rookie class? Uh, you would probably know this. He was second. I'm looking. He was full time in 79. So, yes, I imagine yep. he was. A rookie. Yeah, that, yep, yep. If you look at that rookie class, that might be the most stacked rookie class in NASCAR history. Mm-hmm. Uh, that, that is I, I, I know. I believe Dale Earnhardt was in. I can't remember everyone who was in it, but I, I remember it was like four or five really, really good drivers or solid drivers. Um, So. There's a lot of drivers on this list that you know didn't win Rookie of the Year, but when you look at who came in with them, so it was let's see, Jeff Bodine was in that rookie class, uh, Harry Gant, Harry Labonte, uh, Dale Earnhardt. Pretty stacked. Like, that, that was a stacked rookie class. And also, just to get into more his '84 season. Sorry about that 400 point thing. I was thinking of something else, but. Looking back at that 84 season, drove for Bill Hagen. Uh, Dale Enman was his crew chief. I didn't know that. So that obviously was a um, you know, pretty big help there. But yeah, no, I mean, like for most of that season, he was either second or first in points. And he only won uh, two races that year. So it just shows, man, this guy was just consistent year in and year well, out. Remember one of the his, greatest. Not, uh, was it 96 was his, his second championship, right? Yes. Only won two races. Yeah. But do you remember how he ended that season? The crash uh, at Phoenix. Oh yes, that's right. Yeah, yes, that's right. That's right. He did crash at Phoenix. Well, he yeah. won that with a broken wrist, I believe, and they basically mm-hmm. cl- like taped it up or put it in a cast that could fit the shifter and the wheel. And he, I think he had to have surgery on it like after the season. They they gave him an option like you could have it before or you could have it during, but it would end your season or just race through with it. Yeah. So, so like, he, won- he was an Iron Man. Yeah, he won two races that year, won Charlotte and North Wilkesboro. Um, but yeah, again, just another case of him being extremely consistent. And even towards the end of his career, he was uh, pretty decent. You know, even at a uh, at a well-advanced age in his career, you know, still put up decent numbers. So yeah, he, one of the greatest, one of the greatest for sure, and should be recognized. So but yeah, just he stayed way too long towards the end, though. That's why some younger fans yeah. are like, well, should he be that high? Like, yes, he should be this high. Yeah, I think Terry Labonte deserving of a spot on this list. 32 is a decent place for him. Our final driver we're going to discuss tonight. At number 31, we've got Martin Truex Jr., 2017 NASCAR Cup Series champion, that dominant year with Furniture Row where they won eight times. 
Uh, he's sitting at 33 career wins and counting. Uh, he's, how many does he have this year? Two, two, I think. I think so. uh, he's yep. won the Coke 600 twice. He's won the Southern 500. Um, he was the Bush Clash winner this year at the Coliseum. So that's something worth mm-hmm. mentioning. Um, he's been in the championship for five different times, which I believe ties him with Logano, Harvick, and maybe Hamlin for most all time. I want to say those are the five or the four drivers that have been there five times. I could be wrong about that. Uh, but either way, Martin Truex Jr., 31st. I can't see it. Where did everybody else have him um, on their 32nd. list? I had him 32nd. I had him, him 28th. Uh, item 29th Jared I guess we're gonna single you out now why'd you have him down at 35 I think it's the early part of his career I thought when you look at Truex's okay. career his his performance generally matches up his equipment uh and and I think that's a lot of drivers but I mean when, you know even he he ran well that one year at DEI actually I'm re-watching the 08 season now that I'm done with 09 and he he ran pretty well just didn't get the finishes uh but he was also outran by guys who are even lower on this list, like MWR. Um, and it's just, it's very much like the opposite, I'd say, of the, of Bobby Labonte, where Bobby Labonte's start of his career was great and then it went way off. Truex's start of his career was really mediocre and then he got better into his later years. Uh, it's a very interesting career. I don't think he's bad by any means. Uh, I think he's one of the best ever, as, as we've said in this list. I mean, looking at, at, those seasons where he qualified, he qualified in the final four. Also, it should be noted, I would say in two different eras, end of the older driver era and start of the newer driver era with 15, 17, 18, 19, 21. Uh, so I still, like I said, I still think he's a great driver. And I still think also winning this late in his career uh, will advance him up the list and probably you know would even since April and March when we made this list. <laughs> That's yeah, a good point. I also want to correct Harvick. myself real quick. Uh, the chat's correcting me. It was Logano, Harvick, Truex, and Kyle Busch. Those are uh, the four who've been to five championship fours. Okay. Yeah, definitely the uh, um, the second half of his career is the reason why he's like he's on this list because the first 10 years, I mean, he um, raced part-time 04 and 05, but from 2006 to 2014, only won two races. Uh, but then 2015, this was his second year with uh, Furniture Row. They um, had the alliance with uh, Richard Childress Racing. And then everything took off from there. Um, and then the rest is history. Um, out of his 33 career wins up to this point, um, 31 of them have came in the final eight years. So, I mean, like, it, it's sort of a similar, um, in some ways, it's sort of a similer career redemption, um, similar to Sterling Marlin, but on a much way higher better. level. Way better. It's, way it's better. funny to think about it. Even... 2015 prior even with that win in 2015 martin Truex jr prior to 2015 i wouldn't even have in my top 100 probably no no Mm-mm. no way that's a good point so just the fact that he was able to like elevate this quickly like that's rare that's pretty rare to do in you know a tough uh, sport uh, motorsport especially like nascar um, but I mean, Hey, he had the right team and right people around him, him and Cole Perner, man, for a little while there, I mean, 2017, you just think of NASCAR in 2017, you just automatically think of, you know, that, Oh, stage winner, MTJ, MTJ, oh, you know, black and orange car. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Alessandro yeah. in the chat also brings up a great point. Spingate ended up being a huge blessing for Truex because yeah. he ended up in the right place. Thanks to that. Yeah. Yeah. So, Hey, oh, yeah. Hey, who, who knows if that doesn't happen, then maybe, Hey, Danny's right. Tricks might not even be in our top 100. What's what, what funny to think about him being in the right place at the right time, you know, 
I, I see it in their background, the 78 car we were on. Yeah, that's a different team at this point, but it's kind of cool. Like that number we were with, that number has a history of a championship because ah. of that. Yeah. yeah, that's fine. I didn't think about it that way. But yeah, nah. MTJ, man, he's definitely one of the greatest, um, uh, certainly one of the greatest career resurgences in any type of sport, bar none. Absolutely. So uh, to conclude, 35 through 31, Jarrett has the slides ready. 35th, Fred Lorenzen. 34th, we had Carl Edwards. 33rd, Dale Earnhardt Jr. 32, Terry Labonte. And 31, Martin Truex Jr. Tune in next week. We will continue our list, our breakdown with numbers 30 through 26. Oh boy, we're getting to the good juicy stuff now. Um, and speaking of getting to the good stuff, it's uh, we're nearing the two-hour mark of the show, which means we've got to talk about the upcoming race, New Hampshire. And there's a twist uh, to our picks section this week. We'll get to in a moment. First up, it's worth noting a couple things. Austin Dillon, it was announced, will drive the number 10 car for Colleague in the Xfinity race. Keep that in mind, chat, when we're making picks. Uh, also, due to the threat of inclement weather, there is the damp or wet weather package available at New Hampshire, just like we saw at North Wilkesboro. Um, with that being said, let's start with the Xfinity race. It is the Ambetter Health 200. It's a 200 lap race, 45 laps, 45 laps, and 110 are the stage breakdowns. Starts at three o'clock Eastern time on USA and PRN that Saturday. Um, the weather, 80% chance of rain. There's thunderstorms. Hopefully they get it in, is what it is. The cup race is Sunday. It's the Crayon 301. Not sponsored by Crayola. This is some other brand that somehow has the rights to the crayon name. It's a 301 lap race around the Magic Mile. 70, 115, and 116. That bugs me. That extra lap are the stage breakdowns. Uh, it's a 2.30 p.m. start on USA and PRN as well. Weather also not looking great. Showers, 95% chance of rain. You just hope it it waits until at least we get to halfway, honestly, or or if it's you know spotty and we get to use those wet tires. The defending cup winner is Christopher Bell. And I forgot to mention this, but the defending Xfinity winner at New Hampshire is Justin Allgaier. Now I mentioned there was a twist. The SRX, the superstar racing experience is back. Mm -hmm. Thursday night, Thunder is back. Tomorrow night, 9 p.m. Eastern time, Stafford Motor Speedway. Weather looks pretty good, only a 25% chance of rain. Ryan Newman is the defending SRX Stafford winner. Jarrett, do you have the entry list for tomorrow night? Because it is truly superstar studded. Yes, and I want the chat to listen carefully so that they have these 12 drivers for their picks ready to go. Uh, Brad Kozlowski, Haley <laughs> Deegan, Bobby Labonte, Ryan Newman, Tony Stewart, Paul Tracy, Marco Ooh. Andretti, and Ken Schrader are your full-timers racing. The four part-timers are Tony Kanaan, Clint Boyer, Kevin Harvick, and Denny Hamlin. Ooh-wee. Brad Keselowski entered this race. <laughs> yes, he's entered this race. <laughs> All of the races. Uh, Tyler says in, with the Super Chat, I've decreed that Eric must pitch must pick Deegan for this race. Uh, okay, and, no, you, you, not the boss of me, uh, but we will and, get to our picks in just a moment. And by the way, as I say in the chat, make sure you're very careful how you spell it on Twitter this week. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I've already seen so many times. Yeah, it autocorrects automatically. I can't yeah. wait for sex. Sex. <laughs> Woo! <laughs> uh, Darian, getting back to on the NASCAR side, thanks for the cup race. Darian, what are the uh, the betting odds this week? Oh, yes, it's time for the famous betting odds. If my phone... Oh, there we go. Now it's loaded up. Let's get into them. Now, of course, for New Hampshire, the odds on favorite, uh, no surprise, Christopher Bell, plus 550. 
Uh, Martin Truex Jr. at plus 650, Denny Hamlin at plus 700. Both Kyles, Larson, and Bush are plus 900 apiece for the best of the rest. Chase Elliott is plus 1,100, William Byron plus 1,200, uh, Ryan Blaney plus 1,400, Joey Logano plus 1,500, Tyler Reddick plus 1,800 for the underdogs. Rat Keselowski and Eric Amarola are both plus 2,200. Bubba Wallace plus 2,800, Daniel Suarez plus 3,500, and finally, Alex Bowman is plus 4,500. And we have an update on the NWP Fantasy League. Dude, this points battle, oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. Let me check it really quick. Okay, now it's the uh, the top seven are separated by less than 100 points. Uh, the top five so far is Sean48NY, followed by Trevor Sports 98 who is only like 20-something points out of the lead, so it's pretty close. Uh, Polish Victory Lap is P3. BFM is P4. We're on the comeback trail. And nice. finally, rounding out the top five is 48 Nation. Now for the NWP Fantasy League 2, uh, so similar development, similar development. Uh, oh, still a pretty co- uh, close points battle. Uh, Race Roar 48 is P1. JC underscore 43 P2. Room HMS P3. 42 Larson, 5 P4, and rounding out the top five is BFM. So you know what? Wow. Hey, it's been a great season. It's been a great season so far. I'm usually I'm I'm usually not good at this, so I'm pretty proud. But thank you guys so much for uh, 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 so much for playing. But hey, at least I'm also in the top five in the pick points. Yeah, there's only five. <laughs> there's only five of us though. So let's um, move on to that. That's pretty funny. Uh, no, good stuff there, Darian. Uh, also, going back to the betting odds, I think those are the best odds Eric Almarola has had all season. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> by far. By far. By far. I never forget that Cinderella story in 2021. Mm-hmm. The tinted windows. The tinted windows bailed him out. Uh, well, I'm going to make sure I bring my sunglasses this weekend so I can start saying it's dark. It's dark. <laughs> Only when Bowman's oh, oh, leading. Oh, no, the 48th leading. It's dark. It's dark. <laughs> All right, let's get to our pick points. Chat, I hope you've brought some uh, some good choices this week because things are getting closer up front. Uh, chat's leading. They have 354 total points for the year. I'm still second, minus eight. I think I gained a couple spots or a couple points, I should say, this past week. Jarrett, minus 57, is on the podium still. Darian, you're right. You are in the top five. Top four, actually, <laughs> minus 60. And Danny, minus 61. Um, so with the SRX back the next six weeks, uh, Jared, you may have to explain this to our audience. It's just like a, it's like a bonus pick, right? Yes. So this does not count for sweeping. I'm going to bring this back from January or February here. Um, you got the normal truck and Xfinity and, and, uh, cup pick points. This is the same. It will stay the same weekend sweep is only for the NASCAR races. You get an extra four points though. If you pick the SRX winner, but if you don't pick it, you get nothing. If you do get it right though, you get those four bonus points. So that can make a difference. Uh, we saw last year how close the championship ended up being a SRX pick or two might've been the difference a couple times. Now, is it, you have to pick the winner of the SRX the race. Yes. You can't just be like, oh, Hey, okay. my guy got second. Your well, guys it, all got fifth. It can't be that it's bonus easy. points. Yeah. Okay. Bonus I got you. I got you. You have to pick I mean, the, considering, the race. Considering there's only like, what 12 people in each race that would be too easy yeah that's probably true that's probably true so uh we'll get things started actually with the srx we'll get the bonus points out of the way we go in order of points which means chat will let you go at the end uh but i will go first then uh srx Jarrett rattled off that long list of stars that are competing a lot of active nascar drivers i'm going with the guy who i think is making his srx debut but will become very familiar with this series this season 
Brad Keselowski wins this race. I think that's a good pick, but I'm going to go with the guy who I think in the field is the best short track racer. And I think that's Denny Hamlin. Dennis the Menace gets it. Hmm. I'm going to, hey, I got to go with Eric here too. Brad Keselowski won this race. And I am with Jared on this one. Denny Hamlin is probably the best short track racer in the field. Denny Hamlin mm-hmm. will win. Okay. And that uh, is going Chad. Tony Stewart. Yeah, I see more smokes. I see a lot of smokes here. <laughs> yeah, I don't forget. He's not the only person in the field anymore, guys. Hey, give him the pick. Yeah, I see mostly Stewart. Yeah, it's so. Stewart. Sorry, y'all. Give him the pick. <laughs> didn't Marco Andretti win the SRX title last year? He did. Year? He did. And then, well, well, somebody said he didn't he, win it, but then he did win it. <laughs> he won one race, right? Uh, I think I do. I won. I know he won the championship. <laughs> Yeah, I know he won the championship. I know Newman won this race last year just because Jarrett told me so. <laughs> Can I be honest? Who's actually following the SRX championship? It's such a like it's a fun it's meant system. to be it's meant to be a fun series. It's meant to be a fun series anyway. Yeah. Like Michael Walter had a chance to win it just because he was in it full time. Yeah. Uh, we'll move on, though, to the Xfinity win pick. Uh, again, I'll get things started. This was a tough one for me. You got Austin D- Dillon driving a college car. Could be something to watch. But uh, I'm going with his teammate, full-time driver, Chandler Smith. Chandler. Uh, I think Chandler might be a good pick. But I'm going to go with uh, the guy who I think this week he's going to get this win off of speed and not just everyone screwing up around him. John Hunter Nemechek is my pick. Uh, hold on. I forgot my pick for. Oh, John Hunter Newman check. There you go. <laughs> I forgot it for a second. And I'm going with a guy still trying to redeem himself and get back to his old swagger in the series. Cole Custer. He's been good lately. He's been great lately. You might even say. But the chat, it appears, agrees with uh Darian and Jarrett with uh, John Hunter Nemechek, the twenty. I, I had to make sure that there was no Christopher Bell on his entry list. It's actually Joe <laughs> Joe Grab Jr. is in the 19. Yeah, made it an easy pick to avoid. Uh, <laughs> we'll move on then to the cup race because the chat's making it pretty easy. They've been pretty unanimous on these first two uh, selections. We'll start with the suck pick. Who's going to struggle this weekend at New Hampshire? I'm sorry, Danny. He's just not been good the past few weeks, but Alex Bowman has just been on the struggle bus. I think that'll continue. Okay, I'll- Guys, I know you guys want to give them all out, but I'm going to spoil this. Now, we all picked Alex Bowman. They gave, they gave Did we me really? these picks before. We all picked yeah. Alex Bowman to suck. Hey, put, I'll, I'll put it like this. Remember that one year? He wrecked all of his cars. And he, he needed did. Jimmy Johnson's backup car. He oh, did. Yeah, oh, yeah, 2018, right? Wasn't, wasn't New 20, Hampshire the track? 2020. Yeah, wasn't New Hampshire the track, too, where he was qualifying and like his entire drivetrain like, just fell out of the yeah, car? Yeah, 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 yeah. That was yeah, the Yeah, so it, 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 and the chat agrees. It's it's not. It, this is not Bowman's track. Wait, He's hold gonna, on. Somebody said we're sleeping on Alex. No, we're not, bro. This is not his. It, no, no, not this track. Not, not this, this track. One. No, not this track. No way. Now, now, now watch him win, but this is not his track. <laughs> if this you, will be make for, yeah. We'll if, be having a fun time here next week if he wins. <laughs> if he wins, I'm going to have someone cook up a crow for us to eat. We should get negative 10 points each if he wins. <laughs> Oh, yeah, the whole is that everybody. <laughs> it wouldn't matter. I guess you're right. <laughs> um, okay. Well, I guess we move on to the underdog pick, the dark horse for the cup race. Did we pick the same person again, Jared? No, no. Uh, so far, everyone's different. Oh, everyone's different for this. All right. Oh, so yeah. I'm going to AJ Allmendinger. I began this uh, show with that being my hot take that Allmendinger's on a hot streak. He's going to ride this wave all the way into the playoffs. 
I brought, I told you guys his average finish is like 10th the last six weeks. Almondinger. Well, you know, Eric, I piggybacked off your uh, hot take uh, by saying that I thought that one of the colleague cars and the 34 would outrun both the 99 and 23 the rest of these races. And I'm going to keep it up because I think that Michael McDowell is going to be the dark horse in this race. Give me a top 10 for McDowell supremacy. I'm going to stick, stick in the Ford camp. Um, you know, he's got uh, 2,200 plus odds, you know, hasn't won in a while, but I think Brad Keselowski, man, I think, I mean, he's won here before. So, Hey, why not again? I have got for my underdog pick, Eric Almirola, but I will say for the chat, they're going with his teammate. A lot of Ryan Priest ones out there. That modified background. I mean, that's not a bad. I thought about the dark horse pick. I just don't trust Stuart Haas, but it's not a bad pick for this track in particular. It's actually a very good pick. We saw how well Priest and SHR did at Martinsville earlier this year. Mm-hmm. It's not that similar to New Hampshire, but I believe the modified tour race is both uh, tracks. Did, so Did he win here in the Xfinity Series for Joe Gibbs, or was that an- no, that was Iowa. Wasn't I know he won Iowa. I think he, 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 won, he, he won Bristol. That was the other one. I think you're right. Uh, but yeah, the chat is going Ryan Priest. Not a bad dark horse pick at all. No. So now it's time for the main event, gentlemen. Uh, yes, time for the main event of the evening. Who's going to win? Who's going to win at New Hampshire? Points leader. Oh, I like that. Uh, I, well, I'm not the points leader. I'm, oh, I guess okay, okay. Well, the points leader <laughs> out of us. Excuse me. Points. Sorry, leader I, out of us. I just I got lost for a second. I really <laughs> like being ad- being addressed as points leader. Um, maybe this is fool's gold, but I, I have a feeling this will be a popular pick. He's never lost an Xfinity race here, aside from that first year with Levine Family Racing. He probably should have two wins in the Cup Series here. Christopher Bell. Ditto. Ooh. Hey, I'm going to stick in the uh, Toyota camp, but I'm not going to go Bell so with uh, one of the veterans. Martin Shrex Jr., he's been on a roll this year, and he's going to continue to be on a roll good this pick. weekend. Christopher Bell. <laughs> yeah, I figured it'd be popular. I'm seeing Bell emojis in the chat. David Bell's son. <laughs> I think yeah, we have I d- a pick. Yeah. Wow, the chat, y'all made this easy tonight. Y'all wow. are in sync. I'm impressed. So I'm the odd man out. Hey, we'll see if it pays off or if it backfires. I'll take <laughs> Darian's going to be like way in the basement or fighting for the championship after this week. No in Ooh. between. <laughs> uh, this was a fun show. Really appreciate everyone tuning in. We'll be back next week. Enjoy New Hampshire. Stay dry out there. We'll see you again real soon. Goodbye. Fail. Steve, you look beautiful. You look great. <laughs>